one, Toho two, okay. Toho three, uh-huh. Toho four, right. Toho number five, okay. The sixth Toho game. What uh-huh. do these games all have in common, Ronka? They're, they're not all even PC ninety eight, are they? Um, they're 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 all they're they have sprite art. They're all independent Japanese video games sold at Comic Cat. Whoa! Oh Welcome. shit! Right, didn't switch to Ray Tyson after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, exactly. right. Um, yeah. So, what does that have to do with our our podcast about slice of life anime? Oh my god! Whoa! Well, welcome, listeners, to our cold open for, for um, episode twenty two of our fun things fun. Uh, yeah. We're gonna be discussing. Stella no Maho, mm. aka the magic of Stella. Mm-hmm. Ranka, it's been a while since we had a normal episode. How have hey, you been? been? I've been, I've been alright. I've been watching a lot of things that aren't normal Kirara series. So it was nice to to sit down and watch a normal Kirara series again. Twelve episodes, two thousand sixteen. Looks like what you expect a Kirara series to be. Content wise, we'll discuss it. Yeah, you know. Um, as far as a Kirara goes, it's right in dead center in the middle of uh, middle of Kirara. It's a it's a Kirara lifer. It's really standard Kirara stuff. Um, I'm not trying to like diss the show or anything. We're just getting started here. Um, let's talk about Stella no Maho. We'll do a general little overview here, um, like we usually do. I guess we kind of have a format for the podcast now. We I mean, do. we don't. We still just do whatever. We still. Kind of. I think like we just generally go around like the first three bits and juggle. I think you know what? Why don't we start off with the premise of the show? Should we do that? Yeah. Because this one yeah, actually has well, a premise. <laughs> this one has a premise. Yeah, there's a premise to the show. I would even say the anime follows a plot, largely. I would say A series it is of a events plot. in direct occurrence and sequence. I think it even has maybe two defined plot arcs that both yeah, reach totally. ahead and have... Why are you approaching this so weird? Anyway, still I have no idea. We're, it's because we're out of practice. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's shake the sillies out. Let's get in there. So Samaho uh, follows a uh, club called the SNS Boo, which is truly bafflingly translated as Some Dead Fish Eyes, Not Enough Sleep. Not Enough Sleep, Shuttle, Shuttle Run, Run Club. Um, and this is a small indie game development circle uh, set in a high school. And essentially, their previous leader has left, who also kind of helped them with a lot of illustration stuff. So they need a new illustrator. There's a girl, comes to high school, a bit awkward, doesn't really know what she wants to do, but likes drawing a bit. And she gets, not suckered in the wrong word, drawn in to this uh, circle of game devs and works with them to make two video games over the course of the series. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think uh, going off of your point about two arcs, you can sort of draw two plot arcs around the two games they develop pretty cleanly in the show. There's a couple other developments um, that happen as well. But yeah, there's this show, you know, it's a, it's a 12-er. It's got two pretty good chunks to it. Um, it has a main character. It has a pretty strong and relatively tight supporting cast of mm-hmm. like four girls. Yep. And then a, a, a slightly supporting-er cast of, like, three or four more characters. I would say and so. that's, you know, it's a classic. Dude, we're back to it. No more, fucking, it, no it. more fucking silly Azumanga Dayo shit. No, no more no. jokes. No more jokes. Nah, no, no more, more jokes. jokes. This show's pretty funny. Guys, <laughs> this show's got some jokes in it. Um, um, yeah, I guess prior experience, we go into the car stuff. Have you seen Stella yeah. before? 
I did. I watched it as it aired, actually. Okay. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what inspired me at the time when it aired uh, that I wanted to watch it. I did watch all of it, okay. and I was left with what I would describe as a fond but incredibly vague uh, feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, like, when I was starting it this time, I was like, I remember more or less liking this show, but I can't really remember any things about it. And then I went to my anime list and I saw that it was rated with a 7 out of 10. Just like clean, a clean 7. I was like, mm-hmm. that seems about appropriate for this show. And then I started watching it again. And then here we are. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also watched it as it aired, but I never finished it. Uh, I think, and we're going to loop around this. I think at the time there was a particular episode that made me not I wasn't really feeling it so much, and then I think I was quite busy for my final year of uni, so I just kind of dropped off it and never got back to it. Um, mm. And then, now, here we are. We got back to it. Here we are. Here we are. Um, What are our feelings on the show? Should we do cast first? I think cast oh first. Oh my god. We've forgotten how to run the episode. We've I don't know why. This, we did the, the exact same format for as a manga, and now we've just forgotten. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's not even like it's been different. Okay, well, you know what? We're all shaking the sillies out. We're mm-hmm. gonna get back into it. Okay. The staff behind uh, Stella Nomaho. This mm-hmm. is a Silver Link joint. Silver Link is the production studio. Um, they're they're kind of interesting because they were set up by NX Shafter. Yes, um, Hayato Kaneko, ex Frontline Animation producer, uh, and also uh, Shin Onuma. Um, who directed alongside Tatsuya Oishi, Akiyuki Shinbo, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, Shin Onuma would have been known for a lot of work co-directing um, Pani Pony Dash and Negima, Natsuno Arashi, alongside Akiyuki Shinbo. Mm-hmm. Um, Bakato Test oh. uh, was one of the big ones. I think that was the. I think that was a big show for him, and also it seems to be Silverlink's first big show. Okay. Was seasons one and two of that. Um, Silverlink, here's some stuff that um, Shino Numa also happens to have worked on that I've seen that I would associate with, with Silverlink. We got Kokoro Connect, which is a big Silverlink show in my head. Yes. Certainly well-known show. <laughs> yes, definitely. Speaking of well-known shows, we got uh, Fate Khalid Inner Pris- Liner Prisma Ilia, which yeah. I'm sure uh, some of our listeners will be intimately familiar with. Um, Yurikuma Arashi, people don't know this, Silverlink oh. joint. Oh, I forgot Silverlink. <laughs> yeah, right? Obvi- uh, people will also maybe know that's a Nikuhara one. Maybe, um, I, I would say maybe, uh, in some ways has most forgotten a little, like, later, uh, era show. Okay, I think so, for various reasons. <laughs> for various reasons. No, you know, I can't say anything about the quality, because I, I don't have, a uh, whatever. Um, Brave <laughs> Witches, also a Silverlink show. Oh, um, oh. One that I liked, what? but also Perfect one that choice. I thought was really hard to watch um, when airing. Because it was maybe maybe the biggest jump in quality from TV to Blu-ray that I've personally witnessed in real time as a show that I watched while airing. That's fair. Uh... And I'll tell you what, I think that um, Brave Witches and uh, Stella Nomaho actually aired at the same season. Wow. Which is okay. really funny to think about because they seem very, they feel like very different things, but really? I, I, I'm not sure if I agree, but we'll we'll get to that. 
Well, when I say they feel like different things, I re what I really mean is when I watched this and I realized when this aired relative to Brave Witches, my first thought was, oh, this is where the Brave Witches money was. They were making <laughs> Stella Nomaho with a higher budget than Brave Witches. Brave Witches on Blu-ray um, looks fucking good, though. That show looks really no, sharp. The, on Blu-ray, it looks really clean. Really I genuinely forgot how bad the airing was because of how good the Blu-ray was. Um... <clears throat> Anyways, um, some more Silverlink stuff. They have done um, Beauforty. Beauforty is nuts. Um, uh, I haven't seen that. I just wanted to say that line. Uh, I'm not going to read anything else off of here. Um, the other really big stuff we should mention, they've done Non Non Biori, of course. Um, very genre-relevant and very popular big show. And I think that's going to do it for this list of stuff that I'm reading off of Wikipedia randomly. Um, yeah, we're going to call it there. Yeah. Um... I, Sorry, I go on. I'm 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 gonna do my my insane thing of saying of playing a uh, six degrees of separation from Noir and Madlax. Oh, that, with the director. Yeah, yeah, director. Yeah, the director yeah. is um worked with B Train in the past. Worked on Hack Sign and episode directed for various uh, Koichi Mashimo shows. I, I can't really say you can tell, but it's interesting. Um, it's and I I do think the degree of which the show doesn't quite feel like what you'd expect from a Kirara. Kind of comes through its direction style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, the director, Shinya Koetsura, also one of the main heads behind Kokoro Connect. He has done all of Non Non Biori, including spin-offs oh. and OVAs and everything. Okay. Um, he's the director for NNB. And yeah, I also have a note here about the Noir and Madlax work, but you were... The the, the Madlax stan has jumped I'm, ahead of me I'm mad. Way. I'm mad about the lax. Yo, Madlax. Madlax, big up. Oh, it does sound like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Madlax. Um, this is not me making fun of your accent. I'm just saying Madlax. Um, like a British uh, mandem. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, and then our script, we have a lot of um, similarly shared DNA there. We got Fumihiko Shimo who's worked on oodles of stuff. Uh, once again, Kokoro Connect, Nananbiori, also New Game, which is very funny, mm -hmm. um, considering what this show is about. Yeah. Um, Amagi, yeah, Brilliant yes. Park, Full Metal Panic, and some Haruhi work as well. Oh, so, wow. all over the place, a couple different studios, big studios as well, like that, yeah. there's some, there's some QAnnie in there. Um, but yeah, the New Game one is very funny, because the New Game... I think there's lots of superficial similarities between the two Kirara shows about uh, girls working together mm -hmm. to make video games. Even oh though my... I would say in practice, okay, no, sorry, I've just shows are... I've just realized just how many slice of life shows I think is really good that this guy has like been on series composition for. Really interesting. Fumihiko? Yeah. Yeah, what else you got there? Uh, he also was series composition, a manga adaptation, so it's not quite the same thing, for um, Our Days at the Breakwater, the other fishing oh, wow. uh, anime that's really, really good, uh, and yeah. also did scripting for Anime Yell, which I think is uh, oh. a pretty good second string Kirara. Nice, 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 nice. Oh my goodness, he did he did series comp for Clannad. He's a Whoa. king. Holy cow. <laughs> Are you, you actually Clannad fan? Well, no, I just support Clannad unconditionally. I haven't actually seen it. <laughs> got it. Honestly, kind of incredible given how much Kirara and how much Golden Era Kyoani he worked on, and the fact that he's not anywhere on um, K on is kind of funny to me. Yeah, I guess is there like I guess there's like kind of a break point where he pulled away. No, he's still working on a Magi after K on. I guess K on was just its own yeah. separate incubator. I guess so. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, good for him. He seems to have done a lot of good work. 
Um, Hamtaro. This guy's <gasps> the greatest. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so some pretty pretty weighty uh, directing and script. I will also note, this seems unusual to me, um, Fumihiko is credited for both series composition and also all 13 episode script. Oh, interesting. Um, and I say rare. 13 because I believe that the way this generally works is that the OVAs for this show, there's two OVAs that are about 10 to 14 minutes each. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're just episode 13, basically. Yeah. Um, so a little bit confusing, a little bit unhelpful, but... You know, it's it's easier than just classifying one OVA that is one episode of this show as a different series for whatever. So <laughs> we're going to ignore that. But long story short, um, wrote the entire show by himself, uh, period, which is which seems kind of unusual. Usually at least one other person is in there uh, yeah. once in a while. But yeah, very cool. Now, the someone's favorite part of the show, the cast. Woo! Um, our main character, Tamaki. A lot of this cast, I will say, is returning favorites. Um, so prepare to hear a lot of people you've heard before. Um, Tamaki, voiced by Maria Naganawa, um, who we mentioned in Slow Start, because she is Kamuri, she is Kana in Kobayashi, uh, Maid Dragon, etc. Oh, okay. So she returns, uh, in a starring role this time. And, well, I will say, um, she's not doing the Kana or Kamuri voice, so... Good to hear her doing some different stuff. Very satisfying. Um, we have our... Tamaki is our main character. She's like our illustrator for the club. She's our new first year joining. She has an obsession with um, Osan manga. Um, hard-boiled type of action. She's a very big Golgo 13 Huge head, etc. I think it's like Golgo and Sanctuary. We have very explicit visual reps to. And I'm pretty sure there's a yes. few others in there yeah. as well. She's the go-to Golgo girl. Um, the Golgo? The Golgo girl. Um, up next, we have our musician, um, Kayo Fujikawa. She does all the composition for the club. Um, she is voiced by, of course, the ever-present, ever-illustrious Aoyuki. Uh, I feel like Aoyuki is in so much stuff, and I have never gotten better at recognizing her voice. She's really And we've good. talked about how it must be, like, a sign that she's actually a good voice actress, because you can kind of never tell that it's her. Yeah, she has like one. Know. You know what I mean? She has like a particular squeaky voice you can recognize when she uses that. But yeah, like, there's one of those. But Fujikawa but when she's have doing the like voice. normal person, when yeah. she's doing like a normal high schooler, it's it. She is um yeah, um, she's she's expressive and completely indistinguishable. Um yeah, very very strong. Um, we have our author Ayame, um, who usually goes by Aya in the show. Likewise, I actually had to look up um, Kayo's name because everyone just calls her Fujikawa, and I was saying Fujikawa in my head the whole time. Um, so we have Aya, the author, voiced by Ari Ozawa. Um, uh, not a name. couple of roles here. Okay. Um, Hina from Bandori mm. is the first one that came up. Okay. Um, and then this is a, this is a dig. We have um, the main character Nozomi from Rolling Girls as well. Okay. And then we have Chio from Nozaki uh, Sensei. Oh, okay. Or Nozaki Kun, whatever Nozaki-kun. it's called. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, uh, two shows I've watched, one I haven't. Um, all fairly popular. Um, it's really we God's have... popular. It is in my heart and uh. soul. I'm not going to rewatch it and, like, tarnish that memory, but. <laughs> um, yeah, fond memories of um, the color palette in that show for sure. The color palette was cool, character designs were cool. Yeah, well, character designs are really cool. Um, That's moving on. <laughs> our next character in the um, development team is Sheena, uh, Shi Chen, or what? What have you? 
She is the um, programmer who becomes the uh, director and president of the club after the senpai steps, steps down. Voiced by Rie Murakawa. A um, couple big voices here in terms of the genre. We have Megumi from Gochiusa, Hotaru and Nananbiori. And then another Silverlink connection, we have Naoe from Brave Witches. Oh. So she's definitely been doing a lot of work with Silverlink in addition to just other Kiwara stuff in general. And then um, uh, the, the money maker, she is uh, Ram from ReZero. So oh, okay. good for her. That's awesome. <clears throat> that will pay the bills. <laughs> um, and then sort of like our... Our first like secondary character, I would I would I would say she's in the main five, but she's not in the club. Yeah, uh, as you mean she, it. she's in the opening. She's close enough. <clears throat> she's in the five in the op. Yeah, she counts. Um, Yumine is Tamaki's childhood friend. They were together in grade school, separated middle school, and now they're back together in high school. And uh, Yumine is a hardcore Fujo diehard, a fellow mm -hmm. illustrator of uh, with Tamaki. Um, and she is not in the club, but she is often hanging around and providing advice, etc. Um, voiced by Ryoko Maikawa. And I honestly was like looking for a while to find something in herography to mention. She's Tenka from Shiny Mass. Oh! And honestly, basically nothing else I could point to and say I know what that is or I've heard of that show. To the point where the only other thing that caught my attention was that there's a news article listing voice actresses who got COVID. Um, and she's on that list, so I hope that she's feeling better. Um, uh, in July of this year, actually. So she got COVID very recently. I do hope she's feeling better. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, I, I assume so. But yeah, that's all I got. Um, uh, moving on from her, uh, our next member of the cast, uh, we'll, we'll do Teru-senpai. Okay. Teru is um, the third year who graduated, who was the former director and artist of the SNS club. Um, she's voiced by Chinatsu Akasaki, who, um, once again, we have some shiny, we have some idol master. She's Akane from uh, uh, CG. Okay. And then we have Nibutani from Chunibyo. Oh, old time roll. All-time role. All Very fun. Uh, All-time role for me, we have Falulu from Pripara. And then, uh, just to tie it off, just put a big bow on it. In terms of other Kiraras, she's Yasuna and Kill Me Baby. Ooh. So she's running the whole gamut here. And for my for my hardcore Girls Harm fans in the audience, she's also Aki Lucky from Wickross, which is a career-designing nice. performance. Dude, that's one of everything. She's so well-read. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then our, our sort of last member of what I would call the main cast is Minaha, who is sort of like another uh, first year who is um, feeling very emotionally and spiritually threatened by Tamaki's artistry and presence in the club as an artist, and is sort of uh, the focus of the second arc of this show, I would yeah. say. I could never quite get whether she was actually first, like in, in the final year of like... Mid the middle school attached to the school that bit like kind of left me confused because that was confusing yeah they also because they mentioned the thing with her sister and they're like oh but she said uh onechan but she's in my class so she must be twins and then they never really explain that at all yeah and, and then they, i guess they sort of imply that it's probably not twins yeah. because of the dynamic at, at hand which will i guess we'll get into that later but yeah that was confusing um 
She also had the same uniform, right? Like, for sure? Yeah, I I really... There's a couple things that I'm genuinely not sure about the lore of the show. Yeah. Um, this is also an actress we've heard from before. This is Ayaka Imamura, who was um, Teru from Sancho Sanyo, Ange from oh, oh. Princess Principal, Muni oh, Muni from Shakunetsu. Um, this is the lady who um, retired due to poor health in 2018. Okay. Um, lots of talented work before then. Um, but yeah, she's been out of the game for a while. Um, I hope she's doing well also. Um, apparently she actually has a voice in Uma Musume, which is interesting. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, she returns. Welcome back. Always happy to have you, etc. Um, that is our cast. Let's talk about the show Stella no Maho. Stella no Maho. So, you've said... It was a fuzzy 7 out of 10 for you before. How do you feel about it now? I feel like now... Uh, okay, so I will say one thing that mm-hmm. actually has greatly changed between my initial watching and this watching is actually this time I watched the OVA, which I okay. don't think was actually out when I was watching it as it aired. That yeah. was like a little bit afterwards. So I had never seen that. So and it, I, it seems like a minor thing, but for my appreciation of this show and its 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 presence in my memory going forward, mm-hmm. I would say it has gone from a fuzzy 7, and then when I watched 1 through 12, I was like, okay, well, there's things I like about this show for sure, mm-hmm. but that finale is so weak, it's insane. And this must have been what threw me off and why I couldn't remember what happens in this show is because the finale is basically nothing. Okay. And then the OVA was, like, in some ways, I think maybe my favorite single episode of the show. The OVA is good. And also is a better finale than the finale. Mm-hmm. So now, having seen all 13, I'm feeling pretty fond on this show, and I would bump that fuzzy 7 to a relatively strong 7.5, to be honest with you. Fair enough. So I'm like, there's things about this show that feel unique to me and that I quite like, and that I would love to talk about. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's 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 completely changing the game, but I think it's it's just about as good as I remembered, and I actually was able to articulate what was weird about my memory from it, which is feels good. So, where are you at? How do you feel? This is one of the best things we watched so far. I love the show. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, okay, okay. It's, it's fantastic, but I I think I also have a few genuine mild issues with it which isn't necessarily how i felt about i think like slow start and slow loop are the two that i'm like this is the thing i discovered that i'm really fond of so far Mm -hmm. uh and in this case uh a this wasn't quite a discovery b i somewhat realized why i dropped it the first time it doesn't bother me so much this time obviously because i finished okay we had to finish anyway um well you fucking had to finish it i I was gonna say like (laughs) glad to hear that you did go on (laughs) Um, I, I guess it's also because it actually has a bit more of like a plot, so like, there are a couple of things that thematically don't quite work for me. I disagree on the TV finale. I, the TV finale, I think, is oh, wow. really okay. good. Um, but some of the reasons why it's really good are reasons that might not hit as hard for other people. Um, I, I would love to hear them. Slightly biased towards it. I, I do think it's a tiny bit rushed, I would give you that, but I, overall, I think this is a really well-made show that well it's, mm-hmm. it's adequately made i'd say visuals we'll go back to the visuals here it they're kind of they're fine they're totally fine but in terms of the warmth that the show has and the like humanity and its genuine interest in the creative process 
Uh, see, I agree. This is, I think, the the shining pinnacle of this show is that it's it has a love for its content, a love for its subjects as people and also mm. as creators. And yeah. it has also, like, I think something that really struck me upon watching it was, like, I really felt a, a deep um, kinship with the otaku girls in the show. I think that this show is so good at depicting otaku hobbyism as... Um, like not like normalized behavior, but as like one facet to someone's um, multi to someone's full fleshed out personality and yes. humanhood. Abs- uh, this that is exactly how I felt about the show. Um, yeah, that's where I think the show shines. I love that shit so much. I was really impressed by that. And um, I... go on. No, you go on. Sorry, I should remember what my point was. <laughs> I've done it again. again. Jinxed it. Um, where are we? Uh, visuals. But I would say, yeah, if the show looked better and had more interesting use of its visuals, it would be up there with Hidamari for me. But the I, show, yeah, honestly, I kind of can't disagree. Somewhat prove why I think if you're making a show like this, you have to be. The show doesn't look bad, but it looks perfectly adequate. In against a script and storytelling characterization that is really high level. Um, I agree. I agree. But uh, yeah, the I best think... parts about this show are the script, the writing, the characters, and everything else is j- just strong enough to not collapse under the weight of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's never um, a bad looking show, and it's it yes. is well paced. I would say the episodes of this one fly by. I agree, I agree. This one's very well paced. It has um, some real point A, point B stuff, but I feel like it gets to meander as well. It doesn't have the issue of Slice of Life where nothing happens. Yeah. It doesn't have the issue of, like, a Koisir asteroid where too much happens. <laughs> um, this is a super, super clean one year of school no. uh, show. Not no. even. No, it's like seven months. No, it's, it's uh, I believe, four months. Four months? Yeah, because they, they start in April. They do Natsukomi, and then there's like a couple episodes afterward. Okay. Um, yeah, I was saying, um, yeah. So it starts in April and then goes through to Natsukomi, which is August. So it covers about four months. Okay. Yeah, that's super clean. Which is, I think, part of why... That's actually almost real time. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's it almost real on... time for the airing. That's really funny. Yeah. Which I think is one reason why it works so well. Um, and I do think another thing about that is... It doesn't, although I, I think it is based off a four coma because it runs in in mainline um, on the mainline mags. Oh, most definitely. I've read a I've read a bit of the manga. You can't. I, I can confirm it's a four coma. Okay. You can't really tell for most of the anime. I think there there's some yeah. bits that feel like jokes, but I think quite often the way in which jokes play out is someone will have a conversation and the punchline will play out in like the corner of the screen. Like there's a a great recurring bit is anytime someone is in the room and Hayakawa is like. I gotta start fucking playing the soundboard. I just like the DJ mustard, hey, 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 over and over and over in the background until someone tells her to shut up. Oh god, the amount of diegetic (laughs) Fruity Loops audio in this show killed me. It's It's so so fucking funny. Oh my god. It's so good. I'm gonna say, like, this this somewhat peters off a bit towards the end, but I will say, if we were ever looking for Kirarikin's in this show, I, I do feel like Hayakawa is the most mal character we've seen in any of these. <laughs> Junko Hayakawa. looks like you. Fujikawa. 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 Yeah, I understand. I can see that. 
I mean, like, I definitely felt that when I watched the show, and now watching it again, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, yeah. guilty as charged officer. I mean, she's kind of kind of swaggy with it. It's not it's not an insult. And she does have some drip. She doesn't drip. She is definitely the cheekiest Yuri Bader in the show, which I have to respect fundamentally. Yeah. Um, the the shipping. We'll get around to the shipping. The shipping. The show's kind of interesting in that it's. For an author who has done a lot of actual GL stuff, tons. Um, can we talk? You finish your point, and then I wanted I want to expand on that part. Actually, mm -hmm. I was in a lot of GL stuff. The writing is. I, I hesitate to use the word baity because it's it has kind of lewdness, but it's really it very rarely angles to make you go, <laughs> oh, this is a Yuri moment. Like it's all quite natural in how the characters play off each other. That you're like, oh yeah, they have a pretty good thing going on. Which is is neat. I I, I hugely agree. Um, I only use Beatty for Fujikawa specifically because all of her flirting is appended with "just kidding," like every time. Yeah. Um, except when you find out. <laughs> except when you find out at the very end. Yeah, that was cute. The the that oh man. We'll get around to that. Episode that part was really great. Good. Yep. 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 Okay, so the author. Um, uh, I'm seeing their name spelled like about a billion different ways, but it's um Kudoba, it's Kloba, Clover, Clover, uh, Kudoba Yu, um, uh, alias Zenpo Fuchui, which I believe was used for their Lucky Star Dojins. Mm -hmm. Um, the Lucky Star work is very funny to me because it is um significantly older. So Stella Nomaho starts publication in 2012. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to find some dates on these Lucky Star works. These are from, like, 07. Oh, so, like, contemporaneous and with the anime, almost. Contemporaneous with the anime. And, like, I really want to say, um, they look like an author and an and, and a, a mangaka who definitely... I, I think that Tamaki's character is sort of self-parodic, in a sense, where I think that the author is poking fun at the manga that she learned, or that they learned. I actually don't know anything about Kuroba, so... We're going to go with the neutral day. We're going to go with the day dam on this one. Um, uh, I, it seems to me like, um, just going off of these Lucky Star doujins, that Kuroba um, probably traced a lot of um, uh, Moe Moe blob shit before developing their own style. Because I would say by the time that um, Stella reaches publication, their style is way more hammered out and fleshed out, way more unique, does not yeah. even look a lot like Lucky Star. And all three of these doujins that are available on Dynasty... Um, I would, hey, just uh, for, just caveat emptor, varying quality. Um, I would say that these are so on model, it's kind of jarring. Um, which is par for the course for a lot of stuff in that era. I, I don't know. Um, all this to say, I really... Th seeing their over has made me appreciate Tamaki as a character a little more. Although, okay. I still like think Tamaki is a fine protagonist, but is my least favorite of the club. Okay, I not le not least favorite, but when I watched the OVA and mm -hmm. it's just the three of them hanging out, I was like, "Wow, this is a strong trio! Like, it's an incredibly strong trio." And I think that when they band together to help Tamaki grow, that is also a strong dynamic as well. But I felt so um so spoiled with just the trio in the OVA that I really found myself wanting more of just that. I can see um, that. I I have a bit of a uh, a theory. An anime theory, if you will, about that. Oh, about an anime theory? An anime theory. Uh, I sort of place the whole show in general, but I think also helped it feel very lived into me, because it, it's quite similar to a lot of my 
high school era, I guess, subculture activities, in that with Tamaki, the SNS Boo girls are all older than her, and I think the show is very well very good at conveying the spirit of, oh my god, my older friends are so much cooler and better at everything than I am. Ah, and I okay. think the fact that the OVA then focuses on these three characters alone, and you get a bit of a different take on what their dynamic is, uh, which I think, honest, I'm not sure it's entirely intentional, but it comes across so clearly. And again, we get the stuff with, uh, when it's just Yumine and Tamaki uh, hanging around, and they have a dynamic that's not quite like the older trio on their own, but have the same kind of, like, slightly more obvious emotional honesty with each other, that I think kind of ties into the theme of Tamaki always feels like she's chasing after these three. That's true. That is true. Um, I can totally see that. I think it also, like I said, it does actually work very well for the show as a whole. Um, I, I'm just sort of pulling a Ronka where I was imagining a show that I would want to watch a sli slightly more um, than I already enjoyed watching this show. And I, I think I'm probably wrong, you know? It wouldn't be as interesting. If you were to make a version of this show that is just a slice of life that didn't have an overarching plot, it would just be those three. And I think I would like that, although it is, like, a worse show to be honest with you, probably. I, but I do think one, one of the actual... It is less of show. a show, I should say. Not worse, but less of a show. I will, we'll probably get around to it, because I guess I want to discuss both the Oxygen. I think there is something that happens in the second half that makes some of the second half less strong. Uh, I do think there is a definite least favorite character for me in the show. <laughs> I think I know who it is, and I think that I might probably agree with it. Yeah. Not terrible. I think actually works very well thematically, but I think... We got the theme, and you didn't need to keep on pushing the theme every single episode. But we'll get mm -hmm. a bounce on mm -hmm. her. Um, so I think... So start with that the first half, because yeah, very neat first six episodes with Tamaki joining the club uh, and being exposed to these cool older girls who have it a bit more together, but you can tell just like little ways in which they interact. There's like a lot of shared experience and built-up understanding between them that Tamaki and also have going like, I don't know what to do. I'm really confused. What are friends? Um, and, you know, they all come to care for her. And I do think this might be the first Otome show we've <laughs> covered. Wow, interesting. I like that take a lot. So much of the, the first half in particular is Tamaki tries to get good at something. And then one of the older girls, like, pats her on the back or pats her head and goes, you know, you're doing great at your own pace. I really respect you, Tamaki. You're so good. And it's like, oh, good, good for Tamaki. Yeah, she really sort of um, gets passed around a lot the first half of the show. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's nice, though. It, like I said, it, or like you said, it is a very... Um, the dynamic is strong. I think you don't get as much of this, like... I'm trying to think of another show sort of that we've covered or that I've, I, I'm familiar with that mm -hmm. has, like, that same kind of dynamic with, like, the central character who is um, intaking lots of fresh info from a series of senpais. I don't think, I guess you could say that K-On! is a little bit similar because Yui has like that fresh, like, you know, outsider to music perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's very different. She's very much sort of about like, she is a wild force of energy in the ecosystem of K-On! Whereas yeah. Tomaki is the, 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 um, the nucleus of attention to in a, a way that, hmm? To a degree. To a degree. Um, but like, uh, Yui is some sort of like savant genius mm -hmm. or what have you, right? Which is that's that's her quirk, her quirk to her character that she's she's sort of preternaturally good at picking up this sort of stuff. Yeah. When shown it, 
Whereas Tamaki has much more of a uh, human growth rate, I would say, for developing yes. new skills and abilities. Um, so I, th I actually feel one of the things I feel about Selenomaho, and you can feel free to say that I am a, um, a psychotic for thinking this, okay. but I feel like this might be in a lot of ways the quote unquote most realistic club show that we've covered. One hundred percent. I and I really like that about it. Yes. I think that bit is is really there, and I think that also ties into kind of, I guess, suddenly how the honestly how the core five interact when they're together. In that, yes. Normally, like from slow start, I praise how it's really interesting how when everyone breaks off into twos, you kind of see how they interact with each other differently. But this show kind of actually just says, here is a straight up group dynamic, and here are little sub dynamics that when, for example, she is talking directly to um, Fujikawa, she takes on. Or when how we have like Iron Fu uh, she's kind of like constant little teaser. I really love how Iron She's teasing is done. It's like yeah, they're so because like I, I know I praised uh, Yomi and uh, Tomo last episode. I think they're funny, but like this is that tuned to perfect realism. It's like oh, these two are actually friends. They just take the piss out of each other because that's what friends do. And the way in which they definitely take the piss out of each other is so. It just feels like real people. Which I think yeah, is it's, it's the recurring. I think it's show. surprising. Yeah, for sure. I think it's surprising how much of this show feels as real as it does, given how especially blobby the show comes off in the animation. Yeah. Um, I, I but think... that being said, it is like in terms of surrealism, it is like one of the most grounded things we've ever seen. I think. Yeah. I think it's maybe I, 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 only because I'm not looking at a full list of 20 shows in front of me. Am I like not saying it's the most grounded, the most realistic one of these shows we've covered on the show so far. Mm -hmm. But like, I would say like top down from like the achievements of the club, the capabilities of the club, the effort of the members, the candor of the members, the way they talk to each other, the way they've, um, the way they've sort of like, um, gotten used or gotten to know each other. Even mm -hmm. it just feels a hundred percent like things that did happen to me in high school or that could have happened, um, around me in high school. Like it is, I think, honestly, this show has a special place because it is, feels the most representative of my high school experience, maybe other than Yushiki, for me. Yeah. I, it's, it is weird, because in that respect, it almost at times feels more like, I don't know, Blue Period or something than... Wow, honestly, you're not... Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I think there is one exception to the realism rule, mm -hmm. uh, and yep. that is... Yeah, 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 there is one, one exception. Yeah. Uh, Teru, who is, I, I guess one could call her... Um, Yoshinoya Ma in training. Manic Pixie Senpai. Manic Pixie girl. Senpai. Uh, who, honestly, she is like so weird and out of line with a lot of the rest of the writing that I borderline feel like she's meant to be semi-allegorical. I, I, I always got that impression from her. Where she was like so over the top, um, both in like the memories and legend of the three existing club members and also in her presence and just appearing in front of Tamaki and just being fucking weird as hell at her. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think it's sort of, t I think, um, I like the allegorical read on Teru because I think that she sort of represents this like whimsy of art and like the mm. artist's internal spirit that has to sort of like, like the Tamaki has to find within herself in a very separate way from like 
the working environment of the club yeah where there's professionals who are creatives who are working with her but that aren't doing what she's doing and don't always have applicable advice like there's lots of stuff where like she uh, sorry i always want to say she and then it's like i think that's confusing on the podcast oh good point yeah but like Shichan is showing her like how to hook up the tablet and how to hook up the scanner and stuff <laughs> and then aya is just generally being like try this or try that um Fujikawa is so hands-off on Tamaki. It's very funny. She's and hands-off then, except when she starts petting and just really... Yeah, she's hands-off except when she's hands-on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that Teru's presence, uh, in terms of how she interacts with Tamaki, certainly, is like she's like this wild like artist spirit or like the the creative drive that mm-hmm. has to like come at you from somewhere. I kind of like what she does in that regard. Is this is that your least favorite character in the show? No. Is Teru? No, Teru's fun. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say I was wondering if I was wondering if that was the case. No, I... Teru is fun. I I do think it was a bit of an issue where there's a couple of times where I would have kind of maybe preferred if we'd had a slightly more literal resolution to some of Tama's issues. If it there is one time where she talks to her about something in the second half that's really good. I'd liked a bit more of that and a bit less of Teru at one point Teru literally jumps out of the bushes like a wild Pokemon. Yeah. Which is yeah. really funny. I mean that's but... Yeah, that is funny, but yeah, it is a little bit strange. But and like it, I said, I think with the rest of the show being so grounded, it stands out a bit more. Yeah. Um, it's not even bad that That's it stands bad. out for that, but it, it it does it does draw attention. Uh, and, and I agree that one talk in like episode ten where she's having like that um, having a communication breakdown with like a lot of the rest of the club, mm-hmm. and she has to sort of like connect with Teru and be like, "Where am I going wrong? What's happening?" That uh, that scene fucking rules. That was so good. Like, that was probably the best um, Teru Tamaki moment for me, for sure. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting, again, in, in the OVA to talk about the, the juxtaposition of how Tamaki perceives the world versus how the older characters perceive the world. Is We get a flashback to Teru being, like, a completely normal kind of weirdo. Like, yes, I yes. I have been in that literal exact position with someone who is very much like Teru and had the whole, I'm pretty good at playing games and just completely fucking it up. And that's just, yeah, that just feels like, oh, here is the actual kind of creative genius weirdo that we all knew versus how Tamaki sees her as basically the supernatural entity. Yeah, for sure. With cat ears, no with, less. With cat ears. Uh, she, she does have heavy Yoshinoya vibes though. Uh, so definitely, I think if you like Yoshinoya, definitely. you'll appreciate her. You know she's going to art teacher's college, honestly. I don't know if they mention, but I, I am surely imagining she's in teacher's college right now. It, it would make um, sense. It would, it would work for me. It would work for me. Um, let's talk about the second... So the first arc of the show is about Tamaki joining the club and them working on their first game together. Mm -hmm. And Tamaki starting to develop something of a style for herself and learning how to work in that environment with with, um, game production. Yep. Uh, The second half of the show... Sorry, go on. Oh, no, let's go second half. Then I'll go into themes later. (laughs) Okay, and then the second half of the show is about um, Minaha uh, appearing... Presenting herself as a challenger to the throne of Tamaki for chief artistic director of the SNS club. And then yes. refusing to join the club, but insisting on headlining their next game because of her obsession with the works of Iris Sensei. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of launches us into the second arc of the show that is much more about Minaha than any other one character. Yes. Um, so what we found out in the first half of the show is that um, Aya... You know, used to be a very tuny writer. She still kind of is a bit. Um, she she basically writes um, Baby's first meta visual novel in the first half, which is very charming. 
I think it was actually I, pretty yeah. cool. I think I, I think really it's... like the text where I like what they show of that game and how like ahead of its time it would have been when it was written in like 2013, kind of honestly. Yeah, the, the, I was pretty impressed. The bit that fucking nails me is how Fujiko is like meta is nonsense. Don't write meta shit. Deconstructions are shit. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a you thing but it was an extremely funny character trait for like the most normie one in the club to be like you've written nonsense i don't get this yeah yeah it's really good um, um and uh, basically i uh had in the past styled myself as iris sensei with the s spelt like the simoleons from sims the simoleons it's a it's a musical it's a musical term it has to do with like um with um coda interaction i believe the the Simoleonio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yes, and she's obsessed with Iris's old works, and Iris, and Iris kind of has a bit of a dark shame bit towards it, until she realizes, mm. oh, I can weaponize this to make some naive younger women think I'm cool, and then takes on this alternate personality where she takes off her glasses and then pretends to be Iris, and because Minaha is... An absolute dumb fuck. She doesn't realize this, which is again kind of a slightly absurd bit in the show, but it's alright. Somewhat absurd, but I I don't know. I feel like if you're in um if you're like maybe fifteen years old, maybe you don't know how makeup can change a girl with glasses. Yeah. I do want to mention actually. Um, I would say the most significant design change from the manga to the anime is definitely um Aya's character. I want to link you this photo here so you can take a look at the anime versus the manga. The hair colors are all quite different. The hair colors are all quite different. I think that um, they like M Minaha's main thing with Aya when she's not Iris Sensei is she's calling her like a um, a homely glasses girl or like a boring like fuddy duddy nerd girl. Which and I think that doesn't really work with the anime design because the anime design. That's looks what like, I'm saying. Yeah, the anime design looks like a pretty cool like unvoiced passion Cinderella girl. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, she's in the background of a card getting, like, boba tea with Akane or something. Um, anyways, enough uh, Idolmaster. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that Manga Aya is, like, a much... Like, it fits that bill a lot more, and I think it might sell that transformation a bit more. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of see where that bit is a little bit goofy in the show. But I'm gonna I'm gonna totally give it the pass by saying that it would work better in the an in the manga, which I believe it does. That's fair. So that's that that is my um that's my free card for uh Stella no Maho for the day. Although if we're talking quickly about um character design changes that is interesting, is mm -hmm. oh, so that's really cute, is uh Kurobayu actually contributed the uh pixel art stuff in the opening and next credits. Next oh, episode. Oh that's so cute. I know I was gonna say, because they actually look like the exact same pixels um in the manga in this page here, so that makes sense. I guess they're not the exact same. I guess they changed for the anime designs, yeah. but wow, that's so cute. Well, here's the thing. They actually have, at least, especially in the ending, um, in the opening it's a bit less clear, they have the manga hair colours. Oh, yeah. Huh. huh. Um, which is, yeah, just a, a strange design change thing. Uh, but I do think it's very sweet that uh, Krobi contributed the, the sprite. The actually quite good sprite art. The yeah, the end. spriting is really good, actually, I must say. And Strong pixels. I, I think it does speak a lot to how much of a... Again, a bit like Brave Witch is a genuine passion project the show feels like. Like, mm -hmm, not in, like, a mm -hmm. super... Showy strong works, obviously, like Science Sarah here, but not in, like, a, oh, man, this is some art anime stuff. It just feels like people really wanted to make this story. And I think it really yep, comes through I agree. How, how it's executed. However, talking about the second half... So we have a soft level with Iris, and then 
um, uh, uh, Minaha or Ha-chan, as she's called for most of it, is fine. She's she has one joke, which is um, she really, really wants to beat Tamaki and is a better artist than Tamaki in every respect. And this bit does go on a little bit too long. It is a bit funny yeah. how there's multiple times you think, ah, oh, chance come around and is now their friend, and then she just says something completely fucking awful. Which yeah, I think yeah, is funny. Yeah, she's just, like, still a complete, like, like completely unaware, like, insane brat. And I will say... Um, those are funny. Now that both of us, I think in the interim between, uh, I'm not sure about you, but certainly for me, between our first watching it and watching it now, I worked on Indie Game, and I think you only contributed to a soundtrack in that interim. Um, I've done a, I've done a couple little soundtrack works here and there. Mm-hmm. It's all audio stuff. Um, yeah, I've done a total of like maybe like um, seven or eight songs between when I first saw the show and now uh, for various video games of various uh, projects and sizes. Uh, and like three sound effects, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as the show proves, one sound effect can take you. All... Oh my god, the fucking okay. Not to go to it too much in best funnies, but the bit where Fujikawa was like, "I want to make all original sound effects. I don't like using sound banks." Yeah, and, and she then, tries and then to kill just her. screams at her like, "Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> we don't have time for that." that go to so fucking stocksoundeffects.com/slash/youtube. <laughs> go to youtube.mp3.com right now. <laughs> She, those bits are so fucking good. She chan. Oh, that's um, so good. Oh my god. And, and I do think, for me, because I I have um, if we're talking about Mikein's real uh, Aya, there's a lot of Aya's writing and Aya's thoughts on writing that I strongly relate to in the show. Um, and I, I will say, I I have met a Hachan in my my game death. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is that that's, that it seems ridiculous, but that's a very real artist that is uh around out and about yeah. in indie game circles. Uh, like once once more, even when this even when the show is being a little bit out of pocket, um, it's still completely um is true to my experiences in a lot of ways. It's it's so impressive. Oh man, um, and I do think the show does at least. In terms of themes, and I do really want to focus on the show's themes at some point, but I because mm-hmm. this is where I think it intersects, I think, most directly with the actual narrative, is we get Ha-chan, uh, who is basically, if you're going to do something, you have to be the best. And she will, or, and she also thinks she is the best, which is obviously a very, yes. very yeah. difficult person to deal with. And then there's another character who, for most of the show until now, has been this, like, calming Buddha-like presence. Uh, Ino who is uh, one of um, Tama's friends in her class. Very nice, cool girl, always has like the, the closed eyes from Brock look from Pokemon, always pretty chill with it. Um, uh-huh. And then we find out she kind of sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, she's like, um, she has to be the next generation of, uh, I guess, Japanese oil tycoon or whatever. Pretty much. And more than that, she has the, I guess, the polar opposite to, to Hachansi, which kind of puts Tamara in the middle, of where she says, it doesn't matter you're the best, because you are infinitely replaceable. Art is not inherently linked to a single person's abilities. Most which, based capitalist opinion in a Kirara anime? It's, it's really interesting, because we get a bit where she gets semi-refuted by Aya, and then goes, okay, I will let my little sister do some dumb game shit. But the, the show, really interestingly, never outright goes, oh, we totally owned Eno and showed that she was wrong. Eno just ends up kind of being like, there's there's also a really great bit towards the end where Eno meets Teru and basically says, I think you suck, Teru. I don't like anything that you stand for. 
And it's it's weird. It feels like suddenly in the last episode, um, Gojo and Ghetto just met, met together. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's it I, 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 Ino is fucking weird because like she definitely disagrees with I would say the thesis of the show mm. and pretty much every main character that we're that we care about by the time Ino shows up mm-hmm. in the show. But I think also Eno represents a very real concern that a lot of I- indie artists um, have with yes. their work and themselves, mm-hmm. and she is an important um, she's an important uh, antithesis. She's 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 engaging in dialectics with the yeah. arts of this show, and I think that this is the first time I'm saying that not as a joke on this podcast. That, I think that is she why... She is the most dialectical character in the show. Yeah, and I think that's why, despite me having some issues with some of the the pacing and some of the writing choice in the second half, the fact we get this, like, proper diagram of, like, Tamaki in the middle, um, Eno on one end. I think Eno also kind of works because she is actually around for most of the show as the cool one, the, like, the normal friend. And then you see how that extends out, which I think is... Yes. It's a nice little... I would say it's actually betrayal, but it is the kind of slightly... It's it's a good reveal. It's a good reveal. And it again, you kind of know people like that who like think, oh, you're having fun doing your silly art thing. And they're not going to actively judge you or like take the piss out of you, but you kind of realize they don't really care for it or view it in the same way that you do. Yeah, like, they, think... like to them it is like a second tier activity sort of fundamentally. Yeah, which I... Even if that's not harmful or bad or, or ideologically wrong or whatever, they simply are putting it on a completely different tier of humanity, fundamentally. Yeah. And I think the fact you get this thing, and obviously we also have Teru, who is the extreme end of just pursue whatever you want, Tama, but I, as the sort of, like, the zeal of art, I can't really give you any actual methodology to follow or any goals to aim for except do the thing that you want to do. Which is also interesting. I do think, ultimately, Teru is the perspective the show agrees with the most, but... I think the way that crystallizes, and I think why the ending works for me, is that Tama kind of doesn't really go for any of those three options. She kind of carves out her own path by the end, which I think yeah, I think works. Okay. But that's I'll, true. That's true. I'll get to my views on the final episode, which I think might be the thing where we disagree the most. Yeah. Uh, when we get there. So we have these two arcs. Um, I do think one thing that is also again not quite as strong about the second arc is. Hachan gets a lot of screen time. I would have really liked to see more um, of any other character. Uh, any other character, like? Fujikara in particular. There's also uh, one particular yeah, bit, true. which uh, where uh, Shichan uh, takes um, Tama to her home. We get a very good bit at the start of that where we meet uh, Shichan's mother, who is like, "Oh, has has my girl been talking to any boys at school?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, she's talking to girls. That's also cool." And <laughs> yeah, it would be fine if it was a girl also, is like what her mom says verbatim, which is like, all right, well, slay women in STEM. We need more women in STEM, etc. She, she is actually a woman in STEM. For That's real. That's what I'm saying. Um, and that bit's really sweet. And then um, Aya comes in, but that kind of works because the dynamic that's been set up. And there's a really good bit where Aya leaves, uh, leaves to go to the bathroom. And Shichan and Tema are about to be very sort of emotionally lost with each other. And then Hachan shows up. And you're like, Okay, didn't didn't quite need this bit to be here, but again, that kind of leans into the Eno stuff that does work well. So it it ultimately comes together, but there are some some minor choices that I think could have been made to improve the second half. 
Uh, what we yeah. haven't talked about, the transitional episode in the middle, um, Yumine? They cracked the, the code. The Yumine episode. That episode rocks. That's that really episode good. so good. Wow. The, here's why I think this show is so special. It's made us both be so uh, invested and fond in not one, but two different Osana Najimi uh, character interactions. Yeah. Um, it's, so, it's so well written. It's so well written because oh. it, it actually understands that when childhood friends are friends, they are friends. They're not in like some weird, inherently codependent, oh, if you're not here with me, how can I live sort of thing. It's just, yeah, you have friends who sometimes... Like, I don't have a friend from that era, but I do have a friend from... I guess my middle school on the Zero, who I do keep in very close contact to and have like bits that I don't actually have anything else in the case. I talk to them, wow, I'm really glad I have you as a friend. And I think this show captures that. And because it captures that, the Osanagi ships are actually right. <laughs> I, yeah. They're totally. not my favorites, um, but like, this... I can fuck with them. Totally. I heard something in passing at work the other day. Just, <laughs> my, two, just two people were just like having a conversation and something really sort of this like a, a part of uh, a sentence really stuck in my head where someone was like yeah he's the kind of guy where like you can see th or he was talking about two people that he knew mm -hmm. and that who also both knew each other and he was like yeah they, they've seemed to have grown so far apart but like they seem to have known each other for so long that they're just always going to be friends kind of thing no matter mm -hmm. how different they end up getting yeah and i feel like tamaki and yumine kind of have that going on where like they were apart from middle school and they're back together and yumine I feel like I also like the change from Tamaki being the outgoing one when they were children mm -hmm. and helping to bring Yumine out of her shell. Yeah. And then when they meet up again, now Yumine is the one that's that's very comfortable with people and like hanging out and, you know, assertive in her interests and abilities and and BL fandom. And now she is trying to bring Tamaki sort of out of her shell into like art, etc. Um that trade-off is like so sweet to like get yeah. that backstory on that it's so cool it also makes i think up until this point yumine's smothering obsessive uh love for tamaki and constant fantasizing of her as a semi in one of her yaoi bl drawings is a funny gag mm -hmm. but this episode gives that gag a romantic and emotional weight in a way that i didn't expect i think the other thing is i don't think it's necessarily smothering is the angle i think i think she's more like it's not smothering but like it's it's a it's a, it is her dominant bit up until this episode i i think she's kind of maybe not i i think I, I think I disagree because, uh, as you know, I have very strong opinions on childhood friend characters. But like, yeah, the, well, by all means, by all means. But, but the thing about uh, Yumine is that she's she has no interest in ever limiting anything Tamaki does. She wants Tamaki to be yeah, true. Like she she's like, oh, Tamaki's making more friends and like has like people she tags out with. And she's like, I'm so happy for her. Um, and like, yeah, she's very yay bestie at all times. Exactly, and I think that's why it works. She's very very fond of Tamaki, but like. She's like, oh man, my bestie better be slaying at all times, and and one day I'll get her into Yaoi. It'll happen. That's true. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Um, she I, is very patient on that on that regard. I do think adjacently, like the fact she has the friend fiction shit going on is also really funny. <laughs> Just as a oh, she's also a weird nerd despite being the social like likable one. Yes. Which is yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think it's funny. I guess I guess I attribute smothering solely to. A couple of parts where um, she seems to express jealousy at the senpai in the SNS boo. Mm. Or maybe jealousy or like overprotectiveness. I think one of those two words is maybe more accurate than the other. Yeah. But that that is the extent of that bit. Um, 
yeah, I agree with you. She is very much yay bestie. I support my bestie at all times, even if we don't always agree on what BL pairing is the best, or even if she doesn't like care or follow it. I so I think <laughs> my theory there is give 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 Tamra a couple years, and I think they're gonna link up for a succession yaoi, and B, um, I think when Yakuza Seven comes out, and it has both your funny Elsan and also the sexy Chinese mafia guy, and then I think Tamaki. Okay. And uh, you may not finally see eye to eye, is my theory. True, true, very true. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We have some funny mailbag stuff oh, uh, regarding that. Okay. So I agree, but we'll talk about that more uh, in the second half. Okay. Um, I will do say... you want to talk about themes? or you... oh, Sorry, sorry. Uh, I have themes. There's just one thing from the Childhood Friend episode that I think was also really good is the insert song they play is just genuinely really sweet. That insert song hit me so hard because fucking... I, I forgot it was in there and I didn't expect it whatsoever. And then it just sort of kicks in with this like delightfully delightfully um, quiet little bit. Yeah. That was so sweet. I think I think also like... <sighs> I don't know how to say this in the words. I, I think it's the fact that like the way in which the the Yumine and Tamara relationship can also come off as, like, quite sibling-like. It was, like, the whole, like, bit mm-hmm. about the song being, like, I don't know, if I had a second birthday, I wish it was today. Like, I don't know, it's... Normally in, in these sorts of insert songs, I just kind of tune out lyrics. I was like, oh, no, this actually thematically connects the characters. Yeah, like, no, the lyrics were really, really cute. I mean, after, after, after a channel where, like, you have to start going, what are they singing about? Why is this happening? And it was, it was really <laughs> the opposite to see a um, well-implemented insert song. But yes, themes. <clears throat> a well-implemented and also tasteful insert song, and also just one of them. Just one what, of them. What a treat. What a treat to get one <laughs> insert song. Another thing that's actually also weird about the second half, uh, this has like nothing to yeah. do with anything, but it's it's super odd. From episode, it's not even episode eight, which is the start of the second half, from episode nine onwards, they do this thing where every episode has a... Obviously, anime having cold opens isn't unusual, but they'll start playing some of the credits at the start of the episode, and then they'll have a transition into the opening sequence with the music starting up, which is really cool. I think it's a really neat stylistic thing. I don't know why that starts at Mm. episode 9 of 12, and then is consistently done for every remaining episode. Yeah, Uh, it's true. It's true. It's it's a cool move. Um, I think they should have done it for every episode. Or at least every episode in the second half. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I also noticed that it is a weird, it's an, a funny idiosyncratic thing that kicks off and I think is uh, delightful and yeah. fun. Um, the themes, thematicism, um, the, the things that I really, really like about the show. Um, there's a few bits to this. Uh, one of it will involve me, if you want, having a long dragging rant about Lucky Star again. Which does make it quite uh, funny. I don't know if we have time for that. Um, <laughs> it does. Okay, wait. Like, like, like. Seriously though, I the themes would be worth digging into. Did you yeah. want to take a break before or after? We're at the one hour mark. Um, I don't know. Let's think. We've got themes. We've got shipping. Um, and, and then we have a mailbag again. Yeah, I assume it's not be as big a mailbag this time. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's medium. Like a yeah. medium mailbag. Uh, I don't know. How are you feeling? Do you want a break or? Um. I'm down for a break, and then we'll hop back in for a slightly larger second half. That um, a slightly me. more meaty second half? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine. Too, so I'm going to edit this all out. Cool, cool. All right. Okay. okay. Um, so we're going to go for a little break, and then when we get back, we'll start digging into the themes. And maybe we'll be treated to a delightful rant from <laughs> Ranka Sensei on a fucking lucky start again. Yeah! Everyone, get hype.
themes. Holy crap. Okay. I was ready, but like, whoa, now I'm like ready. Whoa. Right? Themes. Okay. <sighs> okay. So, watching Slalomaho right now was honestly and unexpectedly very good choice on our ends. And you might go, but why is that? And you know what just happened this past weekend, right? What happened this past Com- weekend? Comic Comicet One Hundred. Comicet One Hundred. Comicet One Hundred. Event. Which we didn't even plan this, folks. We're we just that genuinely good. didn't. Uh, but it ended up being extremely relevant. Um, so I really like going to Comicet. Obviously, haven't been able to for the last. Well, I mean, there wasn't one for a year and a half, and then obviously wasn't able to go to the previous one. Haven't been able to go to this one. Maybe Comicet One Hundred One. Who knows? Japan might be in permanent lockdown forever. But yeah, true, true. Uh, Comic Cat 100, still quite special. Still quite... And obviously even Comic Cat 100 ended up getting fucking blitzed by a typhoon on the day of. <laughs> so of course, had as, as happens. Lower footfall than ever. Which is shocking. Um, but even in this this storm of everything that could possibly going, go wrong, going wrong. The thing that really starts me recently is um, the Comic Cat 100 official logo. It's very uh, clean and crisp. There's this like, quite iconic Comiquette C, and they put it around the number 100. It looks quite cool. It looks a little bit Captain America for some reason, but we'll let that slide. Um, a little bit. I think it's because there's a blue stripe and like a white star, and yeah. there's like white, blue, red. I, I can kind of see that. To me, it makes me think more of like um, something you would see on a Gundam. Yes, I think I, I like that more. It does has the, like, the, the Gundam-like model kit like um decal thing yeah to it. It, also with that star i'm thinking of like the tamiya logo yeah, oh but, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah um but what's really nice is the tagline for comic at 100 is yeah is this, friendship forever oh and i'm not gonna lie oh when i saw that i genuinely felt deeply emotional and that's it might say like, oh my god, what, what's happened to you, Rank? You're normally so mean. How have you become nice now? But <laughs> the thing is, is that I, I think what to me, a lot of what's always been appealing about Comicette is, because I was noticing, I was doing my Comicette uh, shopping, uh, finishing off this morning, in fact, I'm like, man, I'm buying like nowhere near as much as I do when I'm actually at the event. Uh, that's partially because my collecting habits have died down a little bit. But also, even when I don't know events, I'm normally a bit more picky. And I think that's because when you're actually at Comicette, the mood really overtakes you. And the mood there is there is a like-mindedness between people. And more than that, you often get to meet friends there. I mean, you know, me and Mal went on a trip to Japan for various reasons together, but one of them was, let's fucking do Comic Cat. And at that uh, event, we met several um, online friends that we just hadn't met in person before and had a great time. Yeah. And, you know, some people, again, who also listen to the podcast, I met you in person for the first time at Comic Cat, and it was it was great. And, you know, this has helped me deepen my friendship with some people. Some people, you know, we don't actually talk as much now, but we'll always remember, we went to an event together. We did stuff together. You know, we we had this shared experience. And I also the benefit of, I have actually uh, tabled at uh, Comic Cat and a smaller Dojin event, which is also relevant to the show, because the show covers both a smaller Dojin event that I am... 99% sure takes place in... Ranka is currently double-checking the name of an exact uh, convention hall in uh, the Tokyo area. Yes. <laughs> Which is on its own impressive to me, so I- I'm happy to give time for this. I guess in the meantime, I'll just say, like, I think a lot of smaller doujin events... Well, you know, I think smaller doujin events are more in line with what we're used to seeing to a certain extent in the uh the western sphere of like the sort of culture stuff where like i think tcaf is pretty damn close to like a comic type of atmosphere 
where like i think the average i have this discussion a lot with people who aren't familiar with like the the you know the convention scene or what have you Mm -hmm. where like you have like your fan expos and your anime norths and like your anime expos and that's like the american model of the anime convention where you have guests you have featured you have featured panels you have cosplay you have some uh buying happening all in like different parts of the same convention and then you have the Comicet model, the Dojin mo- model, where you have an event that is purely indoors for selling and purchasing of Dojin works and independent publications, etc. And TCAF, I feel very lucky to have something like TCAF available where it's just that very pure experience, like direct connection, creator to artist, artist to, to fan, often all three are the same person in different times of the day. Um, it's really quite beautiful. There's a specific atmosphere to a market, um, like convention space that is different from a conventional convention space, which is a, a, a bad sentence, but no, I know what you mean. I, I think, I think to be honest, the market ones, are the ones I am more fond of, I mean, that might just be, Oh, Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because I, I, like you have to be, you have to go ready to purchase, you have to which to purchase. is a hurdle for some people. There's less free fun to be had, I would say, but I, I but think beyond that. For me, I think that's also actually why it makes it stronger because it's you. You go there knowing there will be a like-minded person that you are going to buy something from, or that you might not know you're like going to like this person's art yet, but you're going to find someone. And go, ah, I understand your vision, I relate to it, which I think is is why market events to me feel special, while conventions often feel like, I maybe I just wasn't the right kind of person to go to those. But like, it would feel like you go with your friends and you go around and go, ah, oh, some cosplay. Ah, oh, maybe you're cosplaying and doing a group cosplay, and you have some oh, people yeah. want to take pictures and whatnot. I've, I've been on that end. It was fun. But I, I think that the market experience, I think, has this, like, special kind of... I, there is togetherness. You are all together brought because there is a single thing that you have to share an interest in to be there. Um, yeah, that's true. I think I think more so than even an interest, you have to have a very particular... There is an ethos you have to subscribe to mm-hmm. for a marketplace to get anything out of it more so than a particular interest like yeah obviously you have some some marketplaces that are like themed around certain things you know in japan you got like the toho cons you got like the gl fest you got like the bl fest you got like um komitia stuff like that where there is a theme yeah but i think the overarching thing is that between all of them you have this uh, shared sense of community contribution to a community like stewardship of the space and of the people in that space Mm -hmm. that isn't really matched by a western convention where it is more of like a weird gleeful free-for-all that can be very fun in its own right but like i always think about it this way where like i had way more fun at anime north when i was like a deliriously hammered in public 19 year old uh staying up till midnight for the helsing of view parties Mm -hmm. um sneaking in a bottle of fireball whiskey with my buddies and then walking home to my parents' house for one hour at uh, 1 a.m. But, like, you know, for a, for a, let's say, a quote-unquote responsible adult, I think there's a much uh, much broader appeal to going to a marketplace where you can buy so much unique shit, it would make your fucking head spin. My rule for TCAF for years was, like, day one, I get everything that I want that's big, because those sell out. And then day two, you have... You, you carry a set amount of money and you go around and you have a hard cap on each individual item you're going to get and they mm-hmm. have to be from people you've never seen before. That's fine. Like, I like that. For TCAF, I would do that for ages where it's like, okay, here's a hundred bucks. I'm going to spend only 
on $10 or less items. And then when you get down to like 22 and you have like a really odd number, <laughs> you make crazy choices and you really have to think of things that like you have never seen before that you think are interesting or like worth like I want to like, hey, I got seven bucks. I really want to see what the hell this actually is. And I think that some of my most treasured purchases are always in that moment. It's very fair. I've, I've never done that, but that's a, that's a, that'd be a good way to go and commit here at some point. It's like. fun. It's fucking fun. I can't imagine how good that shit is a committee where everything is like maybe one third of the price after, <laughs> after, um, because my rule for can my, my rule in Canadian dollars is now at like a $12 threshold, which feels so like not even a restriction. I don't know. It's, it's getting hard out here. TCAF was good this year, but it was also a little bit different. Uh, it's how you mentioned Girls Love Fest, because I'm 90% sure, might be wrong because all these halls look quite similar, but I think they're in um, Auto City's uh, P.O. Plaza in Episode 6. Nice. It looks a lot Very like nice. it. Very nice. Um, and I think one thing that is about the show is like how it, how it focuses on these kinds of details, that it's very much in love with... And it's quite interesting, the show never really says otaku. Because that's no, not, not really what it's about. It actually more specifically uses subculture as the term that they use to refer to everyone's mm -hmm. individual hobbies. And I think that is kind of key to the, the ethos of the series. It's, it's not about like, oh, hell yeah, otaku culture. It's more like, our subculture has brought us all together and we might in, you know, enjoy different parts of that you know um fujikawa is here for the music and you know ultimately it turns out she really wants to go pro while you know aya just wants to fucking write some stuff tanaki has no idea what she's doing but they are all brought together by as the show has this truly insane metaphor which like it it honestly kind of never refers back to again almost like it's slightly embarrassed by it which i think has the cuteness of the the five-pointed star that is the magic of stella yeah which yeah. is four people, but what if one person took on two roles and then it would be a five-pointed star? <laughs> so, which is so good. Insane, but it has this this such, like, realness to it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That That is what it's like. Um, Did you catch in the OVA one of the final shots is of a four-pointed star? I didn't. Oh, no, right, it cuts towards the end of the sky, yes. Yeah. yeah yes, yeah. The, the magic of Stella happening right there. Literally. Literally. And and I do think that's what the show really understands more than anything else. There's also a very sweet bit and I don't know if it's I think it actually might be in the, the flash the um flashback episode with um uh Tamaki and Jimine where Jimine basically says something like, you know what, my parents are kind of weird about the BL thing and even though I don't necessarily share my hobbies with you guys, I'm glad that we can just hang out and talk about stuff and just, you know, say what everyone about our hobbies and there's no judgment. And we can all kind of agree, yeah, there's something we really care about. And that, to me, spoke so intensely to the, the Friendship Forever thing and why these events are important and why people gather together, even though we don't necessarily like the same things, that I felt was so sweet and understood fan culture so well that I, I really appreciate it. Totally, uh, totally. It, there's also again, like nice tiny little details, like in the last episode, which I think we will have to mm -hmm. loop around to maybe at the end of the themes, uh, to see why we disagreed there, is um, there's a really nice bit of how there's this one girl we haven't mentioned at all, the one obligatory white girl who honestly doesn't look white because she has like yes. weird dirty green hair that makes her look more like 
I, I like she looks more like a character that is revealed to be uh not a human being in like the back half of a shonen or something i could see that i just thought oh she, she just... has like foo fighters vibes to me oh yeah i know it just looks like she just dyed her hair slightly weirdly yeah it also looks like a bleach that failed um which is charming and there's a really fun bit was like she's not into the otaku stuff at all but she goes to comic app and the last episode she goes and buys stuff from all the arts and crafts stores there's a huge arts and craft bit in normally day two of comic app at least like half of one yeah. of the halls will just be accessories like stuffed toys doll stuff little figurines little figurines and shows don't talk about this normally but Stella Maho understands one of the reasons why comic app is so good is for someone who you know doesn't fucking you know, do anything except maybe read Shonen Jump or whatever, she can still find something that goes, ah, oh, this is really neat. This is, like, an experience that's been worthwhile to me because I got to be exposed to this new thing and find something I really cared for. Uh, and similarly, um, the show is very scant with its references to other stuff. Um, like, I can't really figure out what... Um, so Aya has a hair clip that is actually from a in-universe anime. They never explain anything about it. Um, looking yeah. at the art, I I really couldn't place it. I thought maybe it looked a bit pre-curie, but I could also see with... Because Aya is into magical girl stuff, but I could also imagine it being like from like a more sort of light novel Shana kind of thing that she just likes but keeps on the down low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... And then... I also like the aspect of having a small piece of goods or merchandising that just becomes a uh, part of your go-to <clears throat> um, wardrobe that you don't sort of stop. That maybe you stop thinking about it, but like it's just there. Yeah, it's like a nice little reminder thing. I think, you know, I think I think nerds tend to accrue stuff like that in a way that is very um, very true to form. Mm-hmm. And similarly, uh, then lots of the one thing the outright explicitly reference is fucking Gundam X. Um, yep. The man. <laughs> On the one dojin they buy is pretty much one-to-one Jamil from Gundam X. Um, which, again, that bit is so sweet, because one of the things that's always about Comic Cat is sometimes you'll find people just drawing fucking dojins of 80s and 90s series still. And there's still, this yeah. adorable moment of Tama, who has probably never seen Gundam X, thinking, this old man is cool, I'm going to buy this dojin. And while the old lady's like, okay, yeah, why not? I'm, I'm glad you're interested in this. And the idea of this cultural transference, I don't know, it just... It really captured to me what it was like both to table at an event in in the first half um, and also what it feels like. Because people are just really, they will talk to you, even though I was very white at that event. Like, people just, like, they yeah. test the water. And, like, they, I think they assume you must know a decent bit of Japanese if you're tabling at a Girls and Pans event. It wasn't my t- circle, it was a friend that I was helping him out. Um, right, right. And, you know, we, got, we just talked about stuff. And people are just friendly, and I think the show really understands that. Or just like bits where you see them handing over the snack bags. Um, and I am also, again, 90% sure. I don't know the exact hall that they are tabling in at the last um, episode, but I know the exact bit of Comiquette structure, uh, hall structure that they're referencing, that they're standing by. Um, it just has such uh-huh. a, a love for the craft and such this little attention to detail. That like, isn't like, you don't need to do deep research, but it feels so real. Um, yeah, I I really appreciate that about it. And now, oh, yeah. I'll be mean about Lucky Star. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's just yeah. Why not? You're having a great day. Let's just give you the trifecta. Just go go nuts. Go nuts for whatever reason. What uh, why do you want to get mad about Lucky Star today? 
this actually isn't necessarily the fault of Lucky Star, and it's more me trying to figure out why I reacted so poorly to it. Okay. Um, okay. And why, conversely, Stella Maho charmed me so much. And I think it's... Lucky Star, for for something that is an adaptation of a manga that was written by someone, and they're artistic intent, and then was turned into an anime that was made by many people. I mean, it switched directors four episodes in. Uh-huh. Lucky Star has this like very weird consumer mindset to how it views fiction and art. I mean, it definitely does this, I think, primarily through Kanata and treating Kanata as the she is like me for real character, but also how, how so much of it is focused on references, is that it kind of disassociates art from the people behind it. And, okay, this is a bit that uh, never comes up in the podcast, but there's here's a bit of uh, Rancor and Mal lore. I don't even came up in our Shimon discussion. Okay. Of okay. me and Mal will look at a show, and I'll go, it's about gender, and Mal will go, it's about labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that hasn't actually come up in the show, because none, none of this has been, really been about labor yet. But... Yeah. Um, and I think I think this is probably the, the closest we'll probably get into a new game. And even then, it's... Yeah, it's it's, good. There's a little bit here, but I do think oh, that brought me back. That was so good. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do think this like weird alienation of like the idea that people created fiction and can care about it outside of this like kind of pithy mimetic two chan joke. Did you see the latest episode of this? Ha 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 thing. Yeah. And that kind of always kind of bothered me about it. And similarly, while he still does capture a wide variety of nerdness, um. There's, like, you have Hiori, who, okay, she draws the Jinshi. She, she's very similar superfeti- um, superficially to, like, Yumine and stuff, but Hiori's stuff always feels like, haha, she's such a weird nerd, always drawing her friend fiction. Or uh, when Sakasa discovers, oh, BL's actually kind of good, it's A, discovered in the context of a series that's very safe for the, I guess, the key audience that time. It's like, oh, she likes Full Metal Panic Yaoi. And even then, the ship she likes is kind of a shit post joke. Safe thing. for the audience, and not not to mention self-serving for the studio. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Sorry, go on. No, I think yeah. the self-servingness is also kind of interesting. And that's its own thing. And That's its own thing. I, I do think, conversely, why, how the fact that Stella remains so light in terms of references other than, like, generally setting a tone, and how much everyone's hobbies are taken pretty seriously. Like, I think one of the really fun bits is how Hachan is also a huge Fujo. She just keeps it slightly more on the download due to her own preferences. And they just yes, have this yes. one bit where this normal conversation turns into this violent shipping discussion in a way that feels a that little bit too That is incomprehensible. Real. Incomprehensible to yes. everyone else. And, like, somewhat, again, fe- like, the way it comes out, it's because it's... The fact that you explicitly are like, well, actually, look at the author's notes. The author says this, and, like, if you can't actually imagine them reaching happiness any other way... And that level of, like, genuine people get really weird really quick without shipping. I mean, I'm me. I know mm-hmm. what I am, like. I just nailed it on its head. And I think still, like, focusing so much on how, on these people being humans who care about subcultural things for their own reasons, and they think about the the media and art that they take in, and how it turns into what they want to convey. And, again, there's a key part of it, how, like, occasionally people turn out things that are less than perfect. And I think the mindset of things like Lucky Star is much more focused on this is the best thing ever. Isn't it awesome? And I think conversely, Cinema How is about sometimes you make something that's like objectively a 6 or 7 out of 10, but you made it. And that leads into my final point. And I think why the final episode does work for me, but... Okay, firstly, 
the Before we move on yep. from the Fujoshi segment, I just want to mention briefly. I think that your comparison to Hiori is very apt because all of the Hio- all of the Lucky mm-hmm. Star Dojins I could find by Kroba are they have Hiorin in the title and they're all about her and someone else, or yeah. at least her ideas on someone else. Yes, there's, so there's the I think one that lens definitely plays into uh, Stella's inf- influences Stella the most from the Lucky Star sort of like verse, you know? Yeah. I, I was actually quite because I saw Lucky Star Dojin. I was like, oh, huh. But then you read them, and it's like this actually kind of tracks into into where Stella goes. Some, I mean, they are uh, very honestly, explicit, yes, and very yeah, weird. they are. Uh, yes, not for the faint of heart. Well, actually, not that, not that bad. But they are a bit. Well, one of the, point is they are necessarily what you'd expect. The caveat: Emptor still stands. Carry Emptor. Um, bit dead dove. One of them, at least. Um, caveat: Redor. <laughs> <laughs> no in Latin for reader is <laughs> caveat dojin on this one, guys. Um, um, I I do think the lucky that the lucky star to Stella thing is is genuinely interesting, mm-hmm. and I I think one thing that show is really good at, and again this this goes to me in terms of the indie <laughs> stuff that I put out is sometimes you feel really good if one person says something nice and genuinely cares. Um. And and the show has just a bit where there's uh, this one this one lady who goes to their stall on the first Doge event, picks up the game. She's like, oh, I really like the aesthetic of the art. It's really neat. Oh, could you do like a little illustration? So cute. And then this lady, and at first I was like, oh, is she going to be like terror in disguise or something? But no, she's just a lady who saw this bit of art that she thought was yeah. neat. And then she comes back at the end with a kind of a funny little, I suppose, brick joke of there's been a theme that the, this club are really bad at updating their website. But they do for the time of the final yeah. episode. She's like, oh yeah, I wanted to look at your website because I couldn't find anything else. And I did see you were selling by consignment at the stall. And the fact that it's like a single person saying, you did good, is I think all you need to make yeah. art worthwhile. And I think that's a very valuable message that I think is best served by being in a long form narrative like this. I, I honestly agree. I think that for a unnamed character like that, um, I like her significance both in terms of like feedback for the group and sort of like that proof of concept of like if you if you make it they will come is kind of always true to a certain mm-hmm. uh, like almost every scale of work um, in a doujin setting like it's like you know what like I, I it brought me back to when I was selling uh, some tapes um, at a friend's stall at one time in Toronto and I literally I think I sold like three because the, the event was fucked that year maybe two i think maybe like oh god i i think maybe a quarter of the people showed up that did last year because of the venue change and it wasn't signed very well so like it was just dead everyone was bored all the artists were just hanging out no one was at their booths because there was mm-hmm. no one shopping but i sold like one tape that day to a completely random person who was like this looks cool i'm gonna go for it and like it was it is crazy how much that one interaction can do for um that setting and like the that mindset mm. and like it's 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 kind of magic. That's that is uh in my opinion where some of the magic of Stella really kicks in. It really is. And yeah. I think so let's go into the final episode. One thing I think could read as a bit cheap is they get to sell more because of nepotism essentially. They manage to 
be in consignment. They, they have links to this other circle, and they get to uh, sell their goods at their store because they didn't actually manage to get into Summer Comic Cat, which is really funny. It's actually called networking, which is a valuable industry <laughs> skill. No, it is. It's it's true. But I, I could see maybe for some people that feels a little bit stolen valor of they've really tried hard to make this game, and this one just sells better because they knew the right person. For me, that's just quite real. I, I know, I yeah, know this people is how it goes. who've had that exact experience yeah. with Comic Cat, so I think that's fine. Um, and again, I, I feel happy for Tama. And I think that's really important about this kind of show that like, I'm glad Tama succeeded. No, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm glad she succeeded in such a way that is like, it's, she succeeds on like the exact right scale mm -hmm. too, where like these tiny victories start adding up. And then eventually you get to this, you, you get to a point of like esteem and self-confidence where you can start to. I don't know, like, I, I can totally picture Tamaki carrying that doujin work forward with her for a long time because of that foundation that's being laid where you get enough feedback early on to be like, yeah, this is worth my time, this is this feels good, I love doing it. Yeah. And this is where I both agree the fun episode could be a bit... The fun episode is a weird thing, but it has this really good comic bit. And then it randomly cuts forward to, like, the next weekend where they are at the beach for, like, no real reason... Yeah, and it's uh, kind of boring, and basically nothing happens. There's that one nice shot where she's just sort of watching those kids invent a game in real time, and yeah. she's remembering the joy of it. And then she's like, I want to run the next one. And then it gets one of... It gets a very, like, you-should-go-read-the-manga-type ending, yeah. and it stops. And I was like, okay. I think oh. I... I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say that it was a terrible finale, but it was my least favorite episode of the series and it was definitely just the reason why i did not have like strong memories of the show mm -hmm. is because that uh finale just sort of like it, i think it must have wiped my brain clean upon seeing it and being like oh okay i guess nothing happens at the end and i should go read the manga and then i guess i didn't read the manga from that point so that's fine i i guess what i'm saying is like it should have had a second season this should have been a two season it show absolutely should have made more of it yeah, but, that should have been a two-season show. But the th I, I kind of disagree that I actually like it because it feels like the most complete of all the shows we've seen. Except, no, probably just show up the most complete. Because that final bit of the beach, I, I think, I personally, if I was rewriting this, I think I would have had them do this maybe on the walk away from Comiquette at the end. And there's this bit where she again sees a, a girl basically with the childish desire to create that she used to have of, I want to make something, I have no idea who I'm making this for, but I like the idea of it. Oh, there's also, again, a really charming bit is we see in Tamar's past, she's just like flipped from hobby to hobby and not in like a, oh, I can't think, find something that speaks to me way, but in a, she has a lot of interests way. And this culminates when she sees mm. this girl and I, I actually cried through this bit. I don't know why I was just in the right headspace and just see this girl saying, oh, I've made up this game, let's play it. And there's no kind of reservations to it. She doesn't feel like, do I? How do I negotiate this? How do? How, how does this girl negotiate this? How does she convey? It? She says, "I want to do something for myself because I have a vision." And that's where kind of the the three points of um, Teru, Ino, and Hachan. She kind of goes off her own way of saying, "I have a reason to create something," and it's not just that creating for its own sake is important. It is, but it is also because I have a vision that I want to see carried through. And her vision is to make an Osan Yaoi game, and fuck yes! 
Yep, and you know what? Thank fucking God, Thank it's God. about time. And I do think it, it is works as a read the manga thing, but I think the fact you get to see Tama go through her full character arc of not even nothing I'll ever do is good enough, of like, I just have no idea what purpose I could create for, to I have an idea of the purpose and I want to see it through, means you get a very complete storyline in that respect. So for me, it carries through really tightly. I can see your point in that what it teases is so good. I would love to see that adapted, but I, I feel like we get a full character arc of Tama, and she's the main character, and that kind of what is a show like this needs. Like, I suppose compared to my beloved Slow Start, where you yes, do get a full character arc for Hannah, but like that just drops off. She has grown, she's changed, but like we don't see like an end point to her journey, which isn't necessarily needed. But the road is yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not needing an end point so much as I am like. I think it was the combination of, like, Tamaki um, ceding so much protagonist time to uh, Minaha. Yes. Which is not bad. I think Minaha's all right. Never I think right. that their interactions are pretty good. Um, but I found that her last hurrah being like, oh, yeah, I like making games, and then, like, announcing her next project, and then it just, like, peters off, and then you get that full four-minute credit roll with the entire OP. It was like... I definitely, it was, it was just, it was mostly just me going, oh, that's why I didn't remember what happened. It was, it, it yeah, I don't know. That's... It just le ends on such a bland, um, weaker note that I was just kind of surprised. Because I, I, well, like I said, I was going back and I was like, oh, I like so much, uh, so many segments of this show more than I re re realized or like remembered mm -hmm. or like. Uh, I think that this show does lots of things much stronger than N, like... I think this show has the best um, Yaoi and Yuri banter in universe of anything we've covered. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so strong. In terms of, like, the way that Yumine and Aya um, are talking to each other and about their friends and about each other is, like, crazy. Um, those bits are always very, like, next level and pretty, like, they always kind of surprise me a bit in, in the best way possible. I don't know. Lots of parts of this show that were very, um, very standout for me, mm -hmm. and then that ending just like completely took the wind out of my sails until the OVA, which um, was really sick. I think it's just a straight up agrees disagree. Uh, see what you think when you watch it, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm curious uh, because I, I do still fairly like the show. And it does make you want to read the manga. And the manga has a really nice art style. It's not one of those cases. Where I actually, I actually like the manga art more than the show. So I'm probably gonna I, the manga I can now. agree with that. It's it, the blobby. It's it's a good kind of blobby. It's, it's a good blobby. I think that um, I think that the characters get a lot more um, individuality in the mm -hmm. way that they blob out. Like when it, like, there's a lot of drawings here where she looks like she's just losing her mind, and, and <laughs> she looks haggard in a way that the show won't let her, which is really really good. Like here, I'm just gonna link. You. We're gonna do more audio visual content on this podcast. Uh, Ronka, check out this drawing of Shichen. Uh, alt text. Like this is she this is... Uh, with uh, Red Bull. Red Bull appears a lot in the show, by the way. With uh, kind of yeah, her energy drink, energy drink truly appears in the messy. show. Um, yeah, just like like I said, haggard in a way the show wouldn't uh, allow a anime girl to look. I I do think uh, one thing I, maybe the manga expands on this. I'd be interested to read is another slight weakness in the second half is we get to see a good bit of how their first game looks and ends up, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we I think this... that you get enough of it on screen. Yeah, we dis we discussed this in the Hidamura episode. That for me. While all the talk about the idea of art and the idea of creation is good, I do like to see the finished product. And I think still is in a good yeah. place where, because of the nature of it, it doesn't actually have to be the greatest finished product ever. It just has to look like a bunch of kids made it. 
and that works. And we don't get to see as much of Stardust and Tensione, which I think is a shame. I assume that's just because screen time had to be given to more Hachan scenes. Well, it's because uh, whenever someone's flying around, they got all the proofs mixed up with Brave Witches that season, so <laughs> also, they got really confused. Also possible. Um, so I do think that's the that could be entitled in the second half. Maybe the manga has it, because I do love how much we see the game in the first half. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, I don't know. It, for me, it's, it, it's just so comparatively in-depth for this kind of show and its character psychologies and thought processes and friendships that it just it mm-hmm. feels so right and i guess speaking of the character psychologies and friendships mm-hmm. shall we uh, advance to our next segment of the show i guess we should if say comiquette was a real place that existed and mahono cellular <laughs> doujins existed which they, they don't uh what uh-huh, ones yeah. would we buy yeah, welcome to the Dojin Corner. The Dojin Corner. Um, so this is a show I don't necessarily have super strong shipping opinions because I think so much of it is good at portraying the group as a whole. But on the other hand, it makes it has that girls and panzer thing of like I really want them to interact. I really want them to do the ranker thing of making up a different show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pretending. I know. Like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rank at this one. No, we're not gonna really rank at this one. Um. I, I suppose in terms of in terms of uh, ship stuff, um, one thing is neat, I guess, just to go back to the show discussion, is that there there is an undercurrent of gay stuff in the show that's kind of interesting, um, especially with Fuji, uh, Fujikawa and Shi-chan, um, where there's this like slight, quiet understanding that we see between Fujikawa and Shi throughout the series. And then we have the whole bit where she's mo- Shi-chan's mother says, um, oh, it's fine if you're in love with a girl. Uh, and then the final episode has the bit where they're all hanging out and Fujikawa's like, hey, she, this is a date. And she's immediate response is kind of like, I don't know, she, she has like, again, a very authentically the gay person in the group who's trying to keep it quiet and doesn't know what to do now that the friend, who she probably does consider as a friend, is being actively pseudo-romantic towards her is very much how that bit read to me. Yeah, I could, I could honestly totally, I can totally see that. Um, I really like, um, I guess this is a larger point about she in the show in general, but like her level of um, lack of uh, lack of social ability, I think, is always in the right sweet spot where mm-hmm. it's not really being played as a gag and it's also not too uncomfortable. It's just very, very believable shit that someone in high school who is into programming would pull on a daily basis yeah and also not forgive themselves for for almost no reason i think that the culmination of the fuji of the fujikawa stuff in the final episode or the ova i should say um is like yeah really satisfying makes total sense i think it helps um despite being a prequel episode the ova takes place before episode one like just before they meet tamaki I think despite that, it actually ends up encapsulating their interactions a lot um, mm-hmm. throughout the show. Um, I think that it's some good stuff. I will I will say, mm-hmm. before we get too much further here, yeah. there is one Stella Nomaho Dojin on Dynasty. Okay. It's four pages. The art is great. And it's about um, Tamaki getting too drunk and Kaio having to take her home. 
Oh, epic. That makes sense. That's kind saying, of that's, epic that's, and makes sense. That's what I mean by the girls and panzer making up things. You know, like how you get all those fucking yes. really big brain girls and panzer dolgens that, like, when you watch the show and it's just fucking Haikyuu with tanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Yukatara was, like, running circles around um, anyone who's ever worked on the uh, girls and panzer. Um, anything. Uh, any writer. Ribbon, ribbon, ribbon Warrior. Ribbon Warrior. I've heard Ribbon Warrior is good. I keep hearing Ribbon Warrior. I keep hearing that it's good. I haven't read it myself. It's it's many people are telling me it's good, <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I fucking need to read that. That sounds fucking brilliant. Um, but I, it's I, four pages. I'll link it to. Four four pages is all you need to tell a simple. I, it's story. true. It's 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 true. It's a good four pages. Anyways, um, um, but I think the Tamaki um the Tamaki Otome read is pretty good, and I I think out of the Tamaki Otome situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Fujikawa definitely gets the most mileage out of, um, I think she even mentions, like, it's just a little bit of skinship. I'm just bullying her a little bit with skinship. It's totally fine. I think that that stuff, uh, that stuff goes quite well, I must say. I, I, I um, do think... They also, of course, get, um, Yaoi fantasized by Yumine in, in the show. They do. Uh, so you get that. I, I do, I do think the Fujikawa thing, I think especially the mix of her teasing the Kohai who she boots for, but also kind of wants to bully, with the the revelation in the last episode that oh she was actually kind of in love with Teru and just didn't say anything about it because it was too awkward, it gives her this hugely yeah, Virgin's yeah. Empire vibe all of a sudden that like makes total that's sense. True. That's a good. That's good. That's a good read as well. I think for me, uh, I I'm somewhat predictable, and I do think um, Tama Ekshichan is my personal favorite of the the Tama ships, just because that makes sense. I'm always fond of. Um, the, 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 the genre of younger girl tries to sort of cheer up and relate to an older girl who has depression, but really the younger girl's kind of depressed too, and they very much have that vibe. And they have a lot of, I think, quite quiet and sweet scenes together, where I think also like about She in general, which really makes her so lovable, is she cares so much about her friends. And that's like, a, that, she that, does. That's a, such a, a facile thing to say when she was like, oh, this character's good because she cares about her friends, but like, the... There's the combination of caring, but also the um, uh, lack of confidence that she's ever going to actually do the right thing to follow through on that care. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's a great combo. And, it, once again, it speaks to realism. Yeah, and I think like you can imagine Lester show being like, she's like, oh, wow, I care my friends, but how do I ever express this? And she instead expresses, uh, she expresses it instead by going like, saying something really genuinely super caring, and then being like, but I'm not going to the Dojin event because I fucking can't deal with people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's like that feels again such like a, a genuine example of someone who is a caring friend, but also like has their own shit that they're still working through. That I think the show yes. captures really well. Um, I I think also Tama and Aya is fun. They're they're good together. Um, it's true. It's true. There's the uh, Hachan very explicitly likes Iris, and then eventually Aya. Um, sort of. Mm-hmm. Which that's fine. Um, I do think the bit where Ha-chan's like, I'll, I'll hold your hand in the queue to Komika, uh, to Tama, and Tama's just like, I, huh? Sure? Is, that's like, sure, that's, do you know what? I, this show does remind me a little bit, with that bit, um, of, um, Kanememo in how it depicts a community of ah. strays banding together. Because there's a bit of Mika to Hachan. Yeah, most certainly. Not as bright red. good as Mika. Mika is, I think, a much no. better take on the same angle. Um, Dude, Mika is one of the all-time great Tsundere girls, I think we can agree. Yeah, The Tsundere uh, GL type. Yeah, I think it's because she has the um, roller from Ice Dust. They've actually become pretty Dere pretty quickly. 
and it's yeah, more about navigating the specific awkwardness of her relationship with her quote-unquote rival. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of, mostly in the first half, Aya and Fujikawa bits that are also really good, that I wish got a bit more play. Um, it comes up again in the OVA, which is fun. Um, yeah, true. I, and you know what? I, 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 I and she, not normally the sort of thing I go for, but they are like so genuinely have an understanding of each other that isn't yeah, just, totally. we were friends and we care about each other. We're like, oh, these two people like actively work together and have like got this balance that I, I would be fine with that. Uh, and if you're talking about like the, the Yurihime reader, like, like round everything off solution, mm -hmm. I do think that the correct answer to that is to go, you go Ayashi, mm -hmm. and then you uh, go Tama uh, Kayo, for sure, for like the main SNS club. That's fair. I think that that works completely well. You can even, you can even throw in as a bonus, if you order now, if you call now as a bonus, you can throw in Yumine and Hachan as uh, bitterly angry Fujo rivals. <laughs> oh no, that, that's and and, and that's on the fucking house. Oh no, that's no, I'll send that back, don't want that. <laughs> I'm so I'm suffering through Love Life uh, Superstar this season. I don't know what um, wow, I'm not even watching Love Life Superstar this season because someone doesn't want to. <laughs> it's it, it's actually, and that someone is is me. <laughs> that's fair. It's 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 actually not bad, but we say this every time. Yeah, no, no, don't, don't you no, dare! No, don't no, you no, dare. no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. They're they're doing the fucking Hazuki arc again, but for Cover Corp, you know the Hololive people essentially. Uh, it's fucking insane. Where it's like accidentally made out the music industry to be more fair than it is, while also the antagonist. It's super strange. Um, that's I, terrible. I don't know that Thanks anyway. for that, though. Um, but the character involved is quite good. Anyway, point is, um, yeah, I, I really don't think you can go wrong with any combination. Um, I think. I mean, I, I think the other thing I think was also kind of interesting, so I remember when you watched it, I was always like, there's something about how Fujikawa talks about Teru that seems intimate, but I couldn't explain why. And then in the OVA, it all comes full circle, and you're like, ah, oh, planting and yeah. payoff. This is, like, this is just like a Koisar Asteroid. There's planting and there's payoff. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yes and. Yes, yes and, Chef. <laughs> Uh, I, I do, I do also think the Shiex Hayakawa stuff, uh, Shiex Fujikawa stuff, I don't know what you want on Hayakawa, I must be thinking of a different character. Uh, Shiex uh, Fujikawa is, uh, also pretty, pretty up there. Pretty good. Um. Yeah, true, true. I, yeah, you, you just can't go wrong. It's, it's a very universally shippy cast, because the show never really tries to ship any of them. Which is so strange. Yeah, like, it's one of the shows that manages to organically uh, create an ecosystem where a lot of uh, different organisms can thrive. Mm -hmm. And it works, I would say it works to great effect. It does. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I think we. I think you covered everything I had on my head in mind. Yeah. Uh, I will just say briefly, um, Yumine is um, my goat in this show mm -hmm. just because every time she says something completely insane, I, I go, yes, girl, yes, yes, she's so right, yes, every time. Um... I yeah no she's she's the go she's got the right idea I think that picturing your friends as boys and then imagining a scenario that you can then uh, draw to sell at Comic Con later is very smart and it's just good money. No, and also here that's just that's just that's just free money. The fact of the thing is though is that when when we see her male takes half the time I was like oh those are some like real attractive like Takemiya Jin or Horikusuke kind of girls. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just look like Takamiya Jin drawings. I'm like, wow, this is... I, I want to see the, the Stella, uh, Stella no Mahal Dojins with this art style, because uh, I, I yeah. do think yeah, the, yeah. Oh the one Tama and Fujikawa drawing is so good. It's it's really good. So um, can we get these Moe blobs stretched on the Y-axis? Yes! <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Uh, folks, you know what time it is. Oh, okay. Uh, can I have a very quick break? Just get a drink. Yeah, totally, totally, totally cool. Without further ado, now we've all got our sippy sippy, mm -hmm. our chippy chippy. Ooh, with um, yeah, we're referencing Shaq West to lead into the mailbag. Uh, as always, we'll put up the call for questions a day before we record. Thank you so much. We're at, at funthingspod on twitter.com. Um, starting off with some questions, a lot of multiples from lots of people in lots of different tweets. So, guess we'll it's a, a, bit a here. small but passionate fan base. That makes sense. That's true. It's true. It's true. We developed a small but passionate fan base. I would describe that to be accurate. I meant the show, um, but you know what? Me also the show. The yeah, show is uh, kind also. of actually like us for real. So, yeah, that's true. That's so true. Um, we're gonna start off with some questions from at Q Votoms on Twitter. Howdy, Karen. Hey, Karen. Have you played many Toho fan games? What's your favorite? Uh, Luna Knights fucking really good Castlevania type game with an incredibly fun central mechanic that is very flavorful for Sakuya fans. Uh, I've, uh, I've had an alert on Steam for a um, pseudo-etchy Yuka-centric platformer for quite some time oh, oh. that I have yet to pull the trigger on purchasing, but it looks very stupid and not fun, but I'll probably... Um, that's one of those things where like, when I ever have time for streaming a video game again, I'll definitely put that on because it looks like, very stupid. I've played. I've I've played a few. Um, I've played the one that's like a kind of a shitty acceleration security. Um, I've played. I've never played Battle Moon. Oh, not Battle Moon. Uh, Fantasy Maiden Wars. I should. That game looks good. Um, mm. Probably my favorite 
and it's this is not particularly good, and it's also kind of hard to find and doesn't run very well these days. But there is a one cool. called uh, Shin Tohomuso that is based off the Game Boy Advance Dynasty Warriors games, which are like top down oh, hack and slashes. It's pretty neat. I had a lot of fun playing. It's really hard, not very well balanced, but like it controls really well and smoothly, and it's just quite fun. And every character has like different loadouts that are based on their different spell cards and projectile types that makes it feel pretty customizable and pretty fun um so if you can find it out there in the ether uh give it a go interesting okay i do hate muso games but that's pretty cool it's it's not if it's anything not really get me to play a muso exactly it would be it would be toho yeah um up next from karen has the fujo one drawn undertale bl um great question no, I, I don't under think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a thing. No, I mean she's too much of like a cl a, a traditionalist pretty boy archetype yeah. archetype. I uh, Fujo, right? I like, could see her liking Voltron if we're talking about Tumblr core things. That's very true. Maybe even the Onceler, honestly. A little Ooh. bit of Oncest or whatever the hell. Ooh, Is that a bridge too far? Mm, I I could see it. I could definitely see it. But I feel. I do feel like she's someone who like gets very invested in the actual like source writing of things because there is the yeah. point where characters like argue specifically about the text of the work. So I think I think she's she will get really into mobile games when those blow up. She's she's gonna oh, be fucking so. insane for talking around it. Dude, she's gonna be going nuts on the Genshin twinks or whatever the hell. Oh oh god yeah. Sorry. Okay, we can give her more no, credit than that. That's true. That's true. That's true. You know. I don't the know. into the market. I don't know Sometimes how big Genshin BL is at Dolgen events right now. Yeah, like it's popular, I but like I, I don't know if it's if it's like kind of got the grand blue thing of like it is popular, but it's not the main thing the fandom is known for. Fair enough. That makes sense. Also, I actually. might be wrong. I think the, I think the the Genshin fandom is mostly known for uwo uwo, uh, <laughs> etc. And the umfi gifts. Um. Have you seen the Maria-sama RPG shmup that looks like this? Oh, my God. Okay. Are you seeing pictures of this? I, I, I'm waiting for you to show me them. Look at this shit. This is fucking cool. Holy shit. Yeah, Mal, if, um, if we ever no, do uh, a Let's Play, do we need to, do we need to stream this? <laughs> we need to stream our fun games fun. Um, we're going to get a Twitch channel up. We're going to stream uh, the Maria-sama RPG shmup that looks like this. Holy cow. That would be kind of fun, honestly. <laughs> Uh, I have a feeling it'll be an That's absolute crazy. pain to get running. Uh, I do like how the first screenshot has the they have not properly run app locale, so all the text is gibberish thing going yes. on. Yeah. Well, the LV, HP, and MP, and EXP are all survived, but whatever those characters are meant to be, holy moly. And then the second one... That's awesome. The second one, they've got the text working, but the uh, graphics have stopped loading properly. This is beautiful. This is... Yeah, this is, yeah, this is awesome. Um, yeah, this is cool. Uh, Karen, hook us up, and we'll play this on stream. Thank you very much. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. This is very cool. Um, uh, related uh, follow-up to that directly. Or the French-bred Maria-sama shmup that's actually a good game, Lillian Forehand. Why did Maria-sama get two separate shmups? That's a really good question. Because Marimite was huge. Marimite was... It was huge. Colossal. It's huge. Marimite's like... It's kind of weird how that has just sort of Obviously, it has, like, a cultural footprint, but, like, I feel like Marimita should really have more of, like... I am I'm surprised we have never gotten the, like, reboot 
or the we're gonna finally go back and adapt the final arc at all yeah that's true like, that's true we ha- we're honestly i think we're actually in the 20th for anniversary such a right uh, dynasty like now I, I don't mean dynasty on the website for such a dynastic um series mm. with such a, a stranglehold over the culture it is shocking that it hasn't um actually finished in anime form yeah it has it hasn't reached either of its potential endings in anime form yeah yeah that's uh really crazy yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll get maybe when we get a third shmup, someone will get Kickstart uh, the <laughs> final season of Marimite final season. Yes, on Kickstarter. Yeah, that yeah, we need this. Um is it just me or has fan game Dojin culture largely died outside of Toho? Why isn't there a bloom into you shmup? Is it because there's more anime and manga being made and the anime adaptations are usually shorter so there's less time for stuff to develop that sort of following? I mean, there's... that sounds about right. I think I, I, I have some I have a friend who I discussed this with in like twenty sixteen, which is I think this is just having a long, slow passing away it is part of it. Um I have had a few things like I would, this, but you go. My one point as someone with not a lot of uh helpful insight is just basically like I think fan game Dojin culture has largely died because the market for f- um original content, Dojin game culture has exploded um in the past little while like i think more and more if you have the impulse to make a fan game of something you're more likely to simply at at minimum seal off some serial file off some serial numbers and then make your own thing like that's i think just what that is now it gets sublimated into actual new content which i think as a whole is pretty healthy for culture in general but it is kind of sad um yeah outside of toho I think only Toho is existing because Toho's pantheon is just so overreaching and malleable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's my take. I'm sure Ronka has something a little bit more educated to say. No, it's it, you're, you're broadly pretty much right here. Um, I think in the case of uh, Toho, it's uh, Toho is just it's so fundamentally built on it. That I think it's kind of recursive. I I, I have heard essentially. Um, so I was talking to a friend who was a bit more involved in the scene, and he basically said to me. A, it's it is uh, a people are more encouraged to make independent games since it's easier to put these worldwide. It's easier to actually get them out there, um, and also because you know, make a fan game like Toho is nice because you can actually sell that on Steam. You can sell it because Zun is kind of mostly whatever as long as you don't break very specific rules that only very occasionally get yeah. broken. Um, yes. While with most other IPs, you can't do shit with that outside. Um, I do think the turnover in stuff um is definitely part of it i think so many dojin groups going legit so to speak is also part of it um i think it's it's a culmination of a lot of things i suppose the the thing that one can always compare it to which i think is kind of interesting is if you go back to almost like newgrounds culture and whatnot it's like people were making Mm. sprite like the flash games that were pretty like not say on the level of a paid product but like suddenly something that really them giving away for free is kind of insane oh yeah there's so many flash games like from 15 years ago that would be 10 to 15 dollars on steam if they were made today yeah. and they would still be popular i mean i suppose you have the uh it is the very early examples like how like alien hominid got like a uh gamecube and ps2 port um, yeah, that's still insane to me it's... castle crashers even to a, a yeah. same team but even stuff like like there is like this one fully fledged like turn based RPG 
with um it wasn't like good but was it, it was like very original concept it was called sunny oh this rings a bell it was on Congregate. I remember playing Oh, Congregate! Oh! Congregate had some shit on there. Congregate the amount of tower defense games on Congregate that would I would pay $12 for right. for a fucking, like, functioning PC port today. Yeah. With, like, maybe two additional features is, like, 10 to 12 games long. I went nuts on that site. Yo, I, if, um, if we're going also deep cuts, uh, if anyone ever played the really detailed cyberpunk strategy RPG on the LEGO site... Based off the, Yo. Um, I think it was called, like spyware. Was like this like line of like yeah, Lego Technic. That shit went so yeah. hard. And they oh had like a on the website. It was like a pretty difficult SRPG that was like kind of, um, I suppose a bit a bit like Advanced Wars, but units would carry over between stages. If they died, they died forever. And they'd be like programs mm. you bought and then upgraded. I never finished that game. I really oh, want to. Oh, that shit was so good. <sighs> that you know what you know what that game became. You know who made the good version of that game for money? Mm. It's Invisible Ink. I don't know that game. It, you should play Invisible Ink, Ronk. I think you'd really like it. It's basically someone made that game, but it's like a, a full-ass game. It's the people who did Mark of the Ninja, um, Clay, Ooh, Clay Studios. They're, they're fantastic. Shout out oh, to Clay Oh, this Studios. looks like, like the fucking... Really this even games. fucking looks like the LEGO game. Yeah, okay. It literally even looks like the LEGO game. I didn't make that connection until just now, but like, yeah, 100% you should oh, play Invisible Oh, Invisible Comma Ink. Yes, no, I have heard of this, and I've heard it's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Invisible Incorporated, yes. I guess, is the full title. It's probably not. It's Invisible Link, but, like, you know. Uh, anyways, great game. Amazing game. Oh, dude, Memory oh, Lane. Holy yeah. cow. There is one game on Congregate <laughs> that I will still open Congregate to play, like, once a year. Oh, yeah? And it's, it's like, this dog shit, like, horde mode. Um, it's, like, a horde mode game, but you have, like, a melee swing sword and everything is a blob. Oh. Uh, it's called it's called Amorphous. I'm... I'm going to make sure it's still on Congregate right now, actually. Hold up. Oh, that's um, a bell. Okay. Oh, so, that's sorry. A good one, this is, right? is going to be one of the things where we, we all start something actually old. Do you remember fucking um, Pandemic? What it was called? The game yes. that did like, affect the world. Dude, oh. Pandemic was so good. It was so cool. Really hard. Oh, fucking... man. Fucking... Oh, man. Was it Madagascar? Was okay. The okay. Okay, right. I need to tell you something very revealing about myself. Okay. I just My computer just logged into my old uh, Congregate account, <laughs> and the avatar was a drawing of Homer Simpson in, in, in a Link outfit. <gasps> I do not know how old this is. Minimum 12 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, next question. That was a bit too much there. Um... Finally, from Karen, if you could make one fan game exist for a show you've covered on the podcast, what would it be? Ooh. Ooh. I'm... This actually ties into another question we got, so I'm going to sort of group these ones together. So give me one second here. Um, from Piss, we got a cool... Um, from Piss, we got a question here. Um, first of all, shout out Piss. Welcome at Tsukihimi Demake. Welcome back to the account. Hey, Piss. Question uh, from Piss that ties in says... Which Kirara manga or show would work best as a dwarf fortress-style colony management game? Would it be Sancho Sanyo, or is the grind set too successful to create fun chaos? Um, I would say, to answer Karen's question, one fan game exists for a show on the podcast. I would want to make an extremely in-depth fishing game. I was thinking um, slow loop fishing RPG. Slow loop, yeah. Slow loop fishing RPG would go absolutely insane. You, you just make it like like the there's a session old like RPG fishing seat, uh, game called like the Legend of the Black Bass, which is like a big Japanese. Okay. Okay. Just making one Very of those, cool. but with slow loop characters. Oh, that'd be really sick. Uh 
Very good. I think what what else? Um, I think to that same token, you could uh, just sort of um, like repaint almost any like um, post Minecraft game and call it Yuru Camp um, Build a Camp or whatever the hell. That would be decent. That might also be a pretty good Dwarf Fortress colony game where it's like, oh, they got <clears throat> stranded in uh, rural Mount Fuji, and they have to band together. Well, I mean, and, um, did, did you see the the insane Yuru Camp abandoned island OVA? No. Okay, well that's that's the thing. I that's yet to come. Okay. I think cool, that cool. I've created which she's not attached to because the Eurocap OVAs are really complicated. But yeah, that's that is a yeah. thing. Yeah, um the slow loop also came to me first. Uh anything else that would be kinda neat? I would I mean, we would love the Kirara crossover fighter, but you know, we're being realistic here. Yeah, that would be cool. Um the Kirara crossover fighter would go so hard. Um yeah, no, lots of good options. Hi. Um, okay, hold up, hold up. I'm pulling out of my back pocket. I'm pulling out of my back pocket. Okay. okay. Um, newspaper daily uh, management sim based on Kanememo. I feel where honestly, you play as the, where you play as the chief. Kanememo is like the one that's also most works like a dwarf fortress thing. You're like, oh no. Yeah, it's true. It's Fucking, true. Fucking everyone's eaten weeds they found on the ground, and now they're all dying of dysentery. <laughs> oh no! One of your workers is in jail for her <laughs> bad behavior. Pull her out. Um, oh no, two of your workers are in jail for public indecency in, in a porta potty? Bail them out? Oh, oh also, another thing. Um, I, what I would actually like, if we'd we limited to one series, um, is I have a lot of nostalgia for like weird old shonen licensed games that were like boss rushes. Mm -hmm. I would love a dream oh, to yeah. like that. That would be crazy. Oh, that would go so good. That would like get the El really Shaddai people yeah. on there. It'd be pretty sick. Oh, that would be good. Um, one second, I'm making a new account on concrete.com. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, amazing. I, I like all this. Okay, uh, thank you, Karen, for your questions. Um, I think that's the last one. Yeah, okay, so we're going to move on to the remainder of uh, Piss's questions. Okay. Um, first up, how can I be homophobic factoring in that my bitch is gay? Should, should I do the bit? Do, do the bit. Punch uh, it. You mini voice. How can I be homophobic? My bitch is gay. <laughs> Yahoo. Let's go. Let's go. Hit my best friend in the top. Try to see her topless. Even my drawing pencil is gay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, next up from Piss. Why did the Minaha not knowing Ayame as Iris Gag last so long? I don't Because know. she was blinded by 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 uh, Chinibio brain brain waves it, and, and energy. There is a very like um Dekamori and Mori summer bit to that, but like way worse. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um Yes, but toxic. Yeah. I don't know. That bit is I think one of the weaker bits of the show. I mean, we've been through this in depth. Hachan is the weaker yeah. of the show. Um, next question. Next question is, there is a lot of non non overlap in the production. Should I finally watch that? We should finally uh, watch that. <laughs> I don't know. Stay tuned for our show on uh, that to decide. Yeah. Um, we, I need to see it, which is really weird. Um, yeah. Um, it, it'll come up eventually, I think. Probably. So stay tuned. Um, finally, from Piss, can the people who only listen to anime and video game music be saved? Do you agree with Fujikawa that the best soundtracks fade into the background? I definitely <sighs> think that the way that I composed for the last couple things I did is, um, I think fade into the background 
but spring forth when needed is mm. sort of my mentality. Kind of hard to describe. I would be very, very happy and satisfied to make a soundtrack that could just fits a mood and doesn't stand out. Like, I'm sort of a work, I'm sort of a workhorse when it comes to like production, and that's that's how I feel. That's how I'm content to feel. So that's where I'm at. Maybe not the most, maybe not the most um, celebrated, or um, you know artistically forward uh point of view in the world but as someone who has composed soundtracks for games that is how i feel that's that is very fair i think i i do think it's kind of interesting the context of this show's ost where if you actually listen out it the ost is kind of weird it has a lot of like really swelling orchestral bits that you don't really notice at the time because you're into the character but there's like some bits where like it gets oddly like intense and beautiful but a bit whimsical which suits the show, but it's really strange, but it also kind of melts into the background. So I guess Fujikawa's point is proven by the show itself. Me personally, I quite like a a slightly obnoxious soundtrack. It depends on the kind of obnoxious. Um, like I'm watching, I'm watching Kakaishi recently, which uh, is composed by the soundtrack is by the same guy who does the Gatchaman soundtrack and JoJo Part Two, and when occasionally the vocal song kicks in with like the funniest opening line possible you you kind of get excited so i think it depends i think game composition is also mm. a bit different to show composition um, i think i think that that's true i do think because game composition the i feel like the video game is a more involved form for the for the uh and for the person enjoying entertainment than the uh visual medium necessarily is yeah. so i think i think to a certain extent it has to be a little less intrusive for me a boss theme should always be good. Everything else can be fine, but yeah, a boss theme, you want to feel like, okay, I rec- I, it's like, I'm actually not that bothered about it, but like how people are so attached to the Metal Gear Rising soundtrack. Because the boss I mean, themes are so... I it's iconic for a oh, reason. Oh, it's a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's a good soundtrack. Oh, it's... I definitely think the meme has continued to run its course for well, far too long, but yeah, the, no, The most, worst most part certainly. about the meme, which the friend pointed out to me, who's a huge fan of the game, and he's like, the song they use in the meme is not the song that's used at that point in the game. And it's yep, that really makes sense. <laughs> so what a shame. I that's that's the true fan struggles, and this show would understand that. Yeah, most certainly. I would love to rap. Uh, I would love to spit real with Fujikawa. Sure. Um, to answer the other party question, can the people who only listen to oh, anime God, yeah. and video game music be saved? Yes. I would say. Oh, you would say yes. I, I'm I'm gonna say yes, but you go first. I have a thought on this. Um, I'm gonna say yes, but you have to start them, you have to wean them off very gently. And I think depending on where they're at, like Toho Arrange albums can be a good place to start. You can get into jazz from there. Um, I think using uh, the gorillas is also surprisingly <laughs> effective for some fucking reason. I d- why? I, think, I don't I think know anime why, but it is. I don't know why, but it works every time. People who listen to OSTs just love gimmick. Mm. They just love gimmick. I Go ahead, what's your answer? I'm not sure this is actually so true in recent years, but I do also think if you're kind of in at like the top level of J-pop, listening to anime openings and then saying to the person, what openings did you really like? Have you checked out the rest of this person's back catalogue? Because often you can find like weird stuff and like it'll, like that is like how I started getting to J-music. I started listening to anime openings because that was what was successful. And I was like, oh, I like this song. Okay, what else they done? Oh, I see they worked with this band, and this band's done anime openings. Oh, this person's from this band is here, and it just like leads you down into an interesting rabbit hole of groups you legitimately like. And sometimes a group legitimately like has done an anime opening, and it'll expose you to further music. And from that, you'll start expanding your musical tastes. I think 
there was a really big... I think people who own this anime soundtracks, like, I, I used to go out someone who would, like, literally not be interested in songs unless they're related to anime and then try to make me listen to character songs constantly, and that relationship ended quite quickly. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think if, if someone is interested in music and you say to them, okay, I see you really like this opening, have you listened to their other stuff? Or if you like this genre, you, like, I don't know, like, I've been, like, noir... I've been watching noir recently. That has an ending theme that's made me think, fuck, I need to go and listen to Portishead because it's the same kind of like sort of acidy sort of trip hop stuff that I know I like and I've just never sat down and really gone and like revisited the greats. So I think they can be saved as long as they have the spirit of like musical curiosity that you can bring out in them by I think being kind rather than dismissive. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the ultimate um, trick is to always just generally try and be nice. That works out pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I, I, I think... I mean, I, I do think it was ultimately depressing because like, I only listen to OST stuff, but I think at the same time, I, I think there was a degree to which I can understand if people don't necessarily want to be intellectually curious about music, because it's... I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about music lately, because I'm a big radio listener, which I know puts me in a slightly different camp to other big music fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, radio radio goes. Radio goes radio hard goes. as well. Fuck, I, fucking... Okay, I'm just going to say... Any UKers here? Uh, BBC Six Music played the Akunohana ending theme a couple of weeks ago. Like, it's pretty good. Radio was good. Radio was good. Radio I. Was good. There was something. Oh yeah, we watched Girls Last Tour recently, which sort of reminded me how good and important radio is. Yeah. Um, lots of my friends also personally have started to revitalize the idea of radio for me. Shout outs to Lego. Shout outs to um Kai Kai as well. Oh, of course. Cool. So um, right. Yeah, so you know what? Radio is falling out of favor, but it's, it is good. I think that people who professionally are able to curate music mm. um, are, in the era of algorithmic curation, they are an underrated and dying breed, and you should go love and support them as soon as possible. Mm. Mwah. 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 Okay. <clears throat> Thank uh, you, Piss, for your question. Just, just, Piss, just remind you that the girls celebrate Comicat, but the circle is still running on Christmas Day. Damn. God damn. That's so true. Um, monstrous closer. Uh, up next, we got some questions from Shik. Howdy, Shik. Hi, at Shik Dits on Twitter. Hello. Hey. Okay. Were you convinced that Teru's cat ears are actually a part of her head? Bracket, I was. I was. Uh, bracket, me, I was also. I, yeah, I, it comes, there's, there's just the one, there's one particular shot where they do seem to just be part of her body. And again, it, Oh, no, it's every shot. It's they every just come shot. out of her head. Oh, I know that's very funny. There's one in particular, I think it's when she's in disguise at the Dojin event, takes off her hat and then like shakes her head like her ears have just been set free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very uh, Blake and Ruby kind of oh, um, thing going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Boom. <laughs> you are not safe. We're hard shot. Hey, you know, what's a, you know what's actually a good Dojin game based on an anime is the Ruby board game is actually really, really beast and pin. Fair enough. I've, I've always been kind of curious about that, just because it's, like, s kind of has, like, a cute... Like, it seems like like to tie in, like, shonen power progression into a board game, which seems cute. It's a very good board game. I'm not even doing a bit. It's a fantastic board game. Uh, it's also up to five players. Nice little uneven uh, number there. So that, that stuff's good. Ruby, and also John, because um, John's always there. He's not actually in the game at oh, all, uh, which is very pog. <laughs> yeah. What if there was a concurrent series about the literature club? Um, there is. It's called Oh Maidens in Our Savage Season. I so need to watch that. I'm like the Okada Mary apologist. Why have I not read or seen that? I know, I know. We've had this conversation like um, 
at I least like a month ago on the podcast. Did we? Oh my god, okay. I'm pretty sure, or in general. <laughs> either way, uh, shout out to Mario Kata, one of the greats. Um, yeah, um, go check that out, probably. How well does this series bridge the gap between Yaoi and Yuri? Okay, honestly, I think that if anyone new to the, the scene is checking out this show, I think hopefully they'll understand. And from this show, they'll glean some connective tissue like the human element that really brings us all together in this regard mm-hmm. on the other hand that's what i think i i think so i think it, it bridges the gap well i do think it is very funny that fujikawa is the one to first go why do you have to turn them into boys just that little little planting throughout the show that's a really good point i didn't think about that at all it's amazing and obviously aya is also increasingly awakened to the the power of gl as as any sufficiently mature precure fan will inevitably be yes Oh god, she is a precure head, that's so true. And then I'm thinking about it, you know her age, she might actually have grown up with like, Kamichama Karen and Fumuno Sagashite and stuff, which would also make sense for her like, slightly more tuny love triangle focused tastes. Mm. That's, yeah, oh my god, dude, uh, Magical Knight Ray Earth? I, I need to see Ray Earth, I think I have to be a bit before, Ray Earth to be like, a decade and a half before she, she was yeah born. sorry that would predate her but i mean like that that like yeah. the dynamic stuff i think I would, need would map to watch very well. that just to say i have uh i would recommend the manga i have oh. the omnibus it's quite good fair enough i recommend the manga greatly all right next question is how uh wait sorry we just answered that one um what would happen if you pulled the three strands of hair on honda's head that's a great question um i think that they would all retract into her head i okay so, to talk about Madlax for the second time this episode, there is a, a wonderful bit towards the end of Madlax where they want to make people's hair billow dramatically. And how they do is having the Honda-style loose strands, like, glow UFO table style, like, undulate in midair. And oh, nice, I imagine if nice. you start trying to do that, that's what they'll, like, start resisting you and, like, emitting the energy of a kind killer, is my theory. So Emitting the energy of a kind killer? Oh, God. Emitting the energy of a gentle pimp? <laughs> I, that's incredible yeah all right next set of questions from Shik. we got what kind of vehicle is a honda tamaki it's a very special um, bear uh for the first half of the show it's something of like a bike that the club shares <laughs> is, is that okay to keep in the episode <laughs> I think that's fine i think that's fine okay all right cool cool that's my funny answer um oh, okay though motorcycle oh, no, no. Go pretty hard i'm just i'm just reminded of like the um a uh, lovely sunshine dojo i have that's like ruby sleeping around with multiple girls and then it's also like it's ruby x yohane main and yohane's just like oh my wow. god ruby's such a slut but i love her holy cow really i'm weird. in love with a stripper <laughs> pretty much <laughs> oh my god that's crazy i think t-pain and yohane should link up <laughs> um which toho would be the best to ship with stella i'm confused about um this no there's stella the character Wh- from the game oh thank god sorry i, I forgot that is she i forgot that it was about her magic. yeah there was like there was like oh. i'm so sorry i forgot it was about her magic i um i don't know i, I mean i don't think that's really a she's kind of in like a meta situation and and, and also she's in the quote-unquote real world so renko I guess, yeah. Renko makes Renko's sense. Renko's in a meta situation. And well, also Sumireko maybe. I think they would have a lot. But Sumireko, thank is, you. I always, I always get those ones. It's is, is a horrible creature. And I think, I don't know, I feel, I feel if anything, still doesn't like to be shipped with an Umaneko character due to the nature of her setting. Wow. You know what? Yeah, I could see that. That would go. That would go. 
Uh, and finally, this is a special one. It's um, feel free to save this question for the new game episode. Okay. But let's touch on this briefly. Mm-hmm. Why is new game so much more popular than this? Ronka, as uh, something of a fan of both shows, yes. what is your, uh, just without, you know, without, without spoiling new game too much, because we will touch we'll on touch it. it. Um, what, how, what are your thoughts? So I think new game's popularity is kind of, it's kind of a twofold thing. One is that new game is actually set, is, it's a show about adults in the workplace, which is actually, not even like for Kuro, just kind of a bit unique for anime in general, which I think is why it has a certain charm and appeal beyond um, a lot of these shows um i think also new game has <sighs> so here's the thing i actually don't like well okay actually i won't spoil too much uh i think new game has a much more appealingly basic anime sensibility that is a lot more haha funny gif honey funny face funny joke well Silamaho is a pretty slow show that is about a very japanese experience that I think definitely wouldn't travel so much worldwide. And then I think, I think part of the issue with is like the, the kind of like genuine like emotionality it has isn't the kind of thing that I think spreads in the same way, unless you're in like a shonen magazine and people call you the best fucking thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think New Game is just visually it's more striking. Um, the anime is better produced. Um, it has more like immediately grabbable jokes, and I think the cast being older leads it a bit of a extra appeal um fair enough fair enough is what i'd say uh, it's, right, it's a really okay. boring explanation but sometimes you just have to like think about actual market trends no that makes total sense um what we're going to do we're going to save this question for the new game episode and we'll revisit it mm-hmm. uh having just seen new game and then also i can have uh something resembling an opinion <laughs> Because I've seen season one of New Game a while ago, and I just honestly couldn't uh, couldn't really uh, couldn't really go to that uh, couldn't really pick it apart uh, sight unseen. It's been too long. Anyways, um, holy cow! Thank you, Shik, for Thank your Shik. question. Um, we'll be hearing from you again shortly, I imagine. Um, <laughs> next you, up, we have some questions from Brain uh, Frain Breeze. I almost said your name correctly. It's Frain Breeze. Pardon me. Frain Breeze. Um, out of all people that have appeared on the podcast so far, who resembles our shipper Yumine the most? I mean, it's Ronka? <laughs> like, I think this is the obvious answer, but, like, Ronka genuinely is the strongest. Maybe, you know what, Aurora can go kind of nutty with it, but Aurora definitely has, like, her fits and spurts of, um, of strong Fujoshik opinion. And... Aurora is like the intersection between Fujoshik opinion and Akashic record. This is my very funny joke of the podcast for today. Shout out to Aurora, we love you. Um, no, it's prior. Uh, it's prior Ranka, because Ranka would be the one to like vehemently start shouting out yeah. uh, and defending opinion. Yes, I... not in a bad way. It's a good trait. It's a good trait. It makes our podcast listenable. I would say. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, not to vote for myself. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I mean, the thing is. If if we if we equate it as like the BL thing, I'm pretty sure I'm the person on the podcast most into BL. And if we equate yeah, it to the shipper yeah. thing, I'm probably the person who's the most irritating and weird about shipping. So it's <laughs> gonna be me so the way. Yeah, I think that Ronka's got this one on lock. Um uh, would you consider Teru a good senpai? And then here's something in brackets that I find interesting. Can't remember if she has her redemption arc in the anime or not. Hmm. Ooh. Don't know what that refers to. Mm. I guess I'll be reading the manga. Oh, yeah. Is the manga still going? Does it end? 
I don't believe it's still going. That's a great question. Let me check on Dynasty. It says ongoing, and our last update was from January of 2021. Oh, it ended so... this year. Wow. wow. Ten years. Congratulations, Kuroba. Interesting. Okay, I, I am interested Crazy. to check out the manga, because... Yeah, same. I really like the anime. Um, I think Teru's a good senpai. I think uh, Teru comes... Well, here's an interesting point. We actually never see Teru do particularly much for anyone else except Tame in the club. Which, again, kind of ties into her weird metaphoricalness. Yeah, I think when you compare her to, to Yoshinoya, I would say that also, like Yoshinoya, she is good at guiding someone um, in her own ways. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely like... I think, like... I, I would extend what you said about her only uh, appearing really for Tamaki. I would extend that to being part of her guidance towards uh, Sheena, because Sheena needs to develop confidence through independence mm -hmm. i think in a way where it seems cruel that she's uh not saying hi to her club but i definitely get where she's coming from and i think that for better or for worse i think she's making the right call in terms of sheena's future development as a game producer and director i think i think that's correct i am very curious to see if temawari ever actually shows up in person in the manga yeah, I would be curious about That's that too. Be, I bet that that gag reveal might be uh, very powerful and funny. Um, I briefly did wonder up. if Temari was actually um, Teru, but I don't think so by the end. No, there's no way. There, no, 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 no. Um, that would be very. Fu that would be a very funny reveal, but also very belabored, I imagine. Mm. So I hope that that's not the case, so. only because I think it'd be a little bit goofy. Yeah. And I also support adding new characters. Mm. Um, what do you think about the somewhat jokingly semi-canon, according to the OVA, Sheena x Fuyon ship? Um, we discussed this briefly. I think it's pretty funny. I, I, I like that... Um, um, why the hell is she called Fuyon? Am I having like a, a mental moment? Kaiyo... Fujikara maybe Fuyon? I guess it's a nickname that's mm. maybe more in the manga. I guess so. Um, it's also a nickname that Teru calls her, definitely. Oh. Like, there's that one throwaway line where she goes, don't call me that. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think, I think, uh, Shiex, uh, Fujikawa is pretty good. Um, like I said, all ships are good. I do think they lend themselves especially to, like, quite a nice aesthetic, sort of, um, neat and go-getter kind of duality, which is always pretty good. Um, and I think they both look quite... The, uh, speaking of stretch on the y-axis, it's weird how Sheena is actually pretty tall. Sheena's pretty tall. Sheena's pretty tall. That is good. Yeah, she, I think she is quite tall. So in my mind, she's like the Kirari six-foot awkward nerd. It's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, okay. Good, okay. good pairing. Um, good pairing. There's, there's only one I dislike, and we went through it. So <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, how much have you read of the manga, and why is the answer not enough? We're sorry, okay? It's, it's because... I'm busy. It's because I didn't expect this to be so fucking good. <laughs> this is the main reason. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what the truth is. My workflow is that usually when I'm listening back and doing the edit, I'm usually reading manga while I do that. It's the perfect oh. eyes-only activity that I can alt-tab quickly into the uh, editor for. So... I'll probably be reading a lot of this manga while editing this episode. So now, currently, I'm listening to myself saying I'm reading the manga while I'm listening to the episode. Wow. That's some, so, that's some Magic of Stella, the game, 
type shit. How's that for some meta type cool. uh, third wall, fourth wall, Stella, Ella, Ola? Clap, clap, clap. Is that a Canadian only thing? I think so. Is that a Canadian only clapping game? I'm, I'm thinking Man. the Ariola Tech Nine song. What the? Oh, that's true. That's a good one. <laughs> Whoop. That's a good Tech Nine song. Very cool pull. God, I haven't no, heard like this. What is the? There's like a the childhood clapping game. Stella Ola Ola, clap, 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 say X, Chico Chico, Chico Chico Chan. This sounds like an Aikatsu. That's, it's not just the fucking lyrics, it's Chica X Chica. <laughs> no, it's a real song. I mean, it's good. <laughs> no, okay, it's not a real song, but like, whatever. Um, um, finally, from I, I do think Breeze. about the manga thing. I am occasionally Please. wondering if we should just have like an episode at some point where once we've read through some of the manga that we particularly cared about, if we just go back and say, this one was good, this one wasn't so good. Because, like, I own all of nice. Hurricane Received, so I'm going to read it at some point. Uh, I definitely want to read Stella after this. Um, we have even toyed with uh, me and Mal really... as Scanlators yeah. finishing off Kanememo. There's a lot going on. Yeah. I also really, really want to um, read You May Queen Mary, thanks mm. to the demands of one of our smallest oomphies on Twitter. Um, one of our littlest three apples tall demons has requested um, that we read that. So that's not a bad idea. That might be fun. Uh, just okay, Watch this space. Watch this space for the manga zone. Um, finally, from Frain, how would you rate Tama's drawing style? And would it be the decisive factor when choosing to bracket, not close bracket, by their game? Uh, Tama's art style is adorable. One thing that struck me is that when she traces anime art, it looks so much like on-model Love Life Sunshine to me. It does! Yeah, no, that's literally, me, both me and my friend watched it, we were like, oh my god, this is fucking like Love Life Sun. this looks like Love Life. Yeah, like Stella looks exactly like Blonde Ruby. Yeah, she was like Hanamaru, basically. Not to mention Love Life twice in one episode, oh. but I guess it did happen organically. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's genuine. So I think that that rocks, and then if I saw a single drawing of a man over the age of 40, I would go... Oh, hell yeah. yeah! And I'd be wearing my Genarabuchi shirt, and I would show them at the table, and they would be like freaked Gen out. Genarabuchi doesn't write shows. Of, no, fuck it. Genarabuchi wrote shows. Of Sorry, my brain shut down. I meant Gangro Tagami. Oh my oh. god, I'm so I, I'm so dehydrated. <laughs> I guess I, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, this is the worst slip ever on the podcast. This is the worst mistake I've ever made yeah, in public. It what is. the hell? Oh my god. I meant Gangro Tagami. My life is over? I will say um, there's a there is a charming simplicity to like I I, I talk about this with the fan arts and it's like cause like occasionally you see like there's like three different types of fan artists. I'm gonna be very prescriptive here. I'm sorry this this might come off as really shitty, I'm gonna say it. Um, you have the, it. Punch it. Make some enemies. the person who is like clearly in love with a character and setting and draws super well, and those like the cami artists, you hold them high, you go, fuck yes. They have people who yes. do really good art, be like, your heart's not in it. And then third, you have the person who's like, their skills aren't the best, but the soul is intense. And that's... The soul is so strong. The soul is so strong. And that's, I think, what uh, Tama's art would have. So... If I just saw it on its own, I might not be grabbed by it, but like if I saw Tama's art for like a ship dojin, I'd be like, this person gets it. I'm buying this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I think as someone who is illiterate in Japanese, I tend to go for style over substance a little bit too often. But in a translated or accessible work, I must say, substance over style, especially if the style has some sort of unique quirk to it or some sort of charm happening, mm -hmm. um, certainly a plus. Certainly a huge plus. 
so yeah, no, um, we support Tama. Tama would be a top tier, I have five bucks left purchase. I'll tell you that much. Mm. For sure. Thank you, Frayne, for your questions. Up next, we got some questions from Spongy Cloud on Twitter. Hello, Abby. If you hey, had Abby. a class and skills, like in the OP, <sighs> what so would they be? Ooh. Uh, the fucking opening bit is so good, and I think they're actually... I don't know what the Japanese is for the Yaoi Goggles, but that's such a good translation of whatever it is. Yaoi Goggles is so correct. I'm, gonna, so true. I'm actually going to very quickly um, check what it is. In the meantime, I'll say that I'm definitely um, a level... I recently cross-classed from Fishmonger into uh, Prep Cook, so I'm sort of reclassed, and so I'm back down to level one for sure. Oh no! Um, You're reborn as level happens. one in another life. No, it's like the Yukataro Sex Dojin that everyone's talking about. <laughs> Did you read that one? I, which Yukataro Sex Dojin? <laughs> the Yuka Sorry, sex is not a very helpful word. The RPG one with the three girls. Uh, oh, I think I've seen a bit of that being pushed on. And Senri cross classes, so she goes back down to level one, but she was like level forty-five warrior, whatever the hell. But now she's cross class level one thief because she thinks that the armor is more comfy. Which is honestly, she's not wrong. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, level one prep cook. Uh, level two. I'm gonna miss a little bit of credit here. I'll have level two prep cook. Um, communication level one million. Honestly, oh, I can oh. I can talk until oh. I die. I can talk forever. Um, I would say uh, suffering uh, small damage to gain ability. Um, I, I have like a frenzy mode, basically, <laughs> where if I get a burn at work, the rest of my day goes really smoothly. Uh, I have currently, um, I have this insane gouge where I'm just, I'm just like missing a huge amount of skin out off of my like uh, pinky knuckle. Um, and it's making me go go crazy. Oh no. Uh, frenzy, frenzy Berserk level three is the answer to that one. And then my third skill? Hmm. Oh, well, first of all, equipment. equipment yeah. Um, uh, the, the Santoku at work. <laughs> the Santoku they have at work, because I don't bring my own knives in, because I'm not that fancy. <laughs> do, do, do some of your and I haven't do? sharpened my own knives at home. Huh? Do some of your colleagues bring their own knives? It's, it depends on what kind of work you're doing, but yeah, like, the head butcher has his own, like, pistol grip filleter that wow. he'll bring in. Or, like, boning knife. That one's really cool. Um, and whenever your homie brings in their knife, you have to wash that shit by hand. You don't put that in the dishwasher. That's basic respect for your friends. Um, the knives of work, the work knives, they go in the dishwasher, but your homie's knife never goes in the dishwasher, and that's lesson one. Absolutely. Uh, and then my, uh, I think my last trait would be, um, older, younger sister switch, level five. <laughs> because of my complicated work dynamics. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. And there you have it. What's uh, where are you at? Uh, oh, just one thing. Uh, the thing is translated as um, shipping. Uh, so the uh, Yowie goggles is uh, BL filter. Fair enough. Nice. Uh, and the thing nice. is shipping is Kakizan, which is a the Japanese word for multiplication. So basically, when someone's right as someone ah, x someone, it's timesing. Yeah. Yep. So that's good. That's good. good. Multiplication is very funny. Actually, that's really good. For some reason, in the in the nice Blu-ray subs I downloaded, the first episode has really bad subs, but everything else is fine. Don't know what happened huh. there. Um, huh. Anyway, mine. Let's think. Um, equipment. I don't know. I guess. I'll come back to that one. I guess skills. Uh, one is. Um, Deep imagination that recreates the world, uh, level five. I think that's that's pretty that's pretty major. That's what all the podcasts about. Um, 
uh, Google Foo level ten. Remember that was a term. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and um, accidental elitism level three. <laughs> and I uh, don't know my my equipment. I don't know what do you associate with me? Equipment. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um. Insanely swagged out uh, off-white belt. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed, demolished. The the, the virtual um, reliquary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, all right. There you go. There you have it. What's your class, though? Oh, um, I guess. Uh. Okay, there's the thing that's really funny, which is um. So obviously you have Fudoshi and Fudanshi. For agenda people, you just use X. So I am the uh, the Fujekshi. I'm the the, the Fujimex. Fujimex, amazing. God tier. God tier. God tier. Um, amazing. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to spell it in my head and I can't do it. Um, is there any show that wouldn't be improved by adding a woke real Fujo representation? Um. No. Trick question? I I mean, it'd obviously be it's unnecessary, like... Well, I was gonna say, it'd be unnecessary in, say, like, Oshibudo, but then if there was a minor character who was really into male idols, who occasionally hangs out with the gang, oh. that would be good. So, I... That would be good. I guess, I guess it could, it could work in quite a lot of shows. Um, That's true. Would it, yeah, would it work? I'm, I'm struggling to think of what shows it wouldn't work for. I think in Inazuma 11, it would be weird if they had that happen, because it would be like that episode of South Park where they made fun of the Yaoi fanbase. <laughs> yeah. That's my opinion on that. But it would be more respectful. This is, a, this is a respectful reference, is what we said. Would it be respectful? Oh, I, I guess know, woke I... real Fujo. Yeah. Did you ever watch it by Katsu Friends? I watched, like, three episodes. Did you get to the introduction of, like, how there's, like, the two adult characters who help them out, like, the Johnny Bep and... The female cat's kind of weird. They're basically like both no. big friends. One of whom is like a fancy gay guy who's just like, oh, I love my girls. My girls are so good. And the woman who's like gets extremely emotionally overinvested and slightly shitty to the girls. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, that's very funny. No, I haven't seen them, but that sounds like a, a strong, a strong connection. It's that kind of. It's good. It's good stuff. Um. When will she overcome her mental and fuck all these girls? Uh, she's a programmer. She will not be doing that. <laughs> she she might do it by uni. I don't know. I, I know some computer science people who... Oh. I know some composite people who overcome the mental and then get really fixated on one girl. True, true, true. So, I can see that happening, certainly. If she's focused on Tama, that's not so bad. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I think it will. Speaking of a girl she could be focused on, um, how successful is Fujikawa's audiophile YouTube channel? Uh, the term is not audiophile. The term is uh, the term is um, fueled recording slash music concrete, and it would be fucking amazing. That one bit where she's just walking to school, recording stuff and listening to like external sounds and like uh, trying to record like the dunk uh, at at Tama's uh, grandma's house. <laughs> That shit rocks. Oh, the she fucking... So we we cool. haven't done the bamboo, Best Funnies the bamboo this episode. Dipper. But there's... Um, we haven't done Best Funnies. Because there's too much to actually talk about and, like, themes and stuff, but there are... The fucking... The bit where she starts playing the Dunk sample over and over and the over Dunk again. The Dunk sample... The Dunk sample. I just said it with a British accent. It's very good, though. Uh, I also like when she plays the bomb explosion when everyone shows up in episode four. That yeah. shit kills me. I probably played that back, like, five times. It was so good. Fujikara does, I think, have quite a lot of the, the really good jokes. 
yeah, she's so good. Um, I really, really liked when Yumine said the line, Can you make the ecstatic face of a boy about to lovingly tease another boy? And she's like, I can't do that. <laughs> and then it immediately cuts to um, uh, Minaha with like one of those like scary backgrounds and it makes the most disgusting fart sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> uh, I think also the- Do you remember that one? I- I remember the first top. I don't remember the fart. No, I do remember the fart noise. I do remember the, the fart, fart noise because I was really embarrassed to mention it. So my friend's like, "Why does this like a fart?" I'm like, "That sounds like him weird if I say that." But no, okay, it does like a fart. No, it's like a crazy fart sound. Uh, I do also think they're basic for the bits where they start vomiting up blood, like because so much of the show Those is are so good. not metaphorical. When that happens, it always catches me off guard. Um, I also like the first one because she was drinking the habanero cherry drink, so you're like, oh, okay, it's the drink. And then Iris vomits because she tried too hard to be cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, there's one more bit. I'm, okay, I'm, there's actually a lot of funny jokes in the show, but the uh, bit where mm-hmm. um, they're on Yumine's bed um, in the flashback, um, ta- uh, Tamaki and Yumine are reading a manga together, and uh, Yumine goes, like, I like this boy, and Tamaki goes, I like his dad. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Alright, FMA yeah. fans. She's light so up. good. She's so good. Played up. Everyone played up. <laughs> Alright. Um, thank you, Abby, for your questions. Moving on. At Interfior on Twitter Inter- with a series of questions. Okay. Question one. Is Marika from America? Um, no it's idea. in her name. Oh. Um, Marika. Marika. So, yes. Yeah. She's definitely, like, just a girl from America who completely destroyed her hair with with bleach. And, like, she got, like, that bad reaction where it turns, like, green and shit. 100%. Um, coolest old man in anime. How can you uh, ask us to episode. choose? This is one Um. This is one episode. Of, we're talking... We, oh, This man. is on podcast. Oh, um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off with... A, this is not my favorite... Uh, cool old man, but I do think Netero is a very fair base level stuff. Netero is a really cool He's old a man. Fucking good old, um, old man. By that same extent, I would say, um, oh god, what's his fucking name? This uh, this fucking cigar guy with the pipe, the base pipe man. Uh, oh, from Hunt Hunter. From Hunter, um, Hunter. Not Nov. Yeah. Um, the other one. Not Nov. The other one. Uh, Morel. Oh my god, I'm good. Morel. Yes, he's so good. I like that he looks like, um, he looks like, um, oh, my other answer, which is, um, Bato from Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. And also Ishikawa from Ghost in the Shell as well. Those are two great guys. I like that Ishikawa looks like Bob Ross. Um, oh my god, think... coolest old man in anime. It's so it's hard so, to choose. It's so hard. Um, having seen Pat Labor too recently, um, yeah. Goto and Arakawa, uh, oh man. Yep. Oh man. <sighs> So it's it's this is this is not an easy an easy um recently the fucking old doctor guy from Platinum End he's not on level the rest of these but he's fucking crazy he's really good ah that's pretty good I would say um I don't know if this counts as like an oh 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 the fucking old man and the whale from Mind Game is so based oh he's alright one of the coolest old men in anime for sure um let's let's do one more each and then we'll have to move on (laughs) um. Oh, you know what? Here's a here's a recent one for you. Mm-hmm. Here's a recent one. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh oh, it's not that recent actually, but I I was on my mind. Um, uh, the teacher, um, the English teacher and coach Joe from Ping Pong. I've only ever seen my episode of Ping Pong. I really need to watch just that. Holy cow, Ranka! You got to watch Ping Pong. I'm aware. I'm aware. Um. Holy shit. 
I, I, it seems, it seems good. Everything I've seen about it seems, seems it's incredible. Good as hell. Um, oh shit, I had one. Let me just remember where I was going. Um. Uh, oh, oh, if we're doing proper, oh man, um, Ineashki, the better thing that the Gantz author did after Gantz is about the yes. coolest old man of all time. The most moe moe and oh, also awesome the, 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 the fucking killer thing, right? Uh, the, the old guy who gets turned into a cyborg. Yes, 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 that thing is awesome. That, that, I, I know about that. That looks cool. That's, that's true. Awesome. So the guy good. is cool. Oh, he's, he's so fucking... Oh, I love him so much. Oh, cool. Awesome. Okay, we have to move on. Okay. Uh, there's too many cool old men. <laughs> Thank you for the question, though. Um, is Teru the most quirked up senpai yet? She's pretty quirky. She's pretty quirky. Um, I subscribe to the general reading that Ronka posited that I agree with, where her quirkiness is exaggerated in Tamaki's mind and perception as as allegory for art and artistry. I will say she's um, interesting. She does kind of take the teacher role in the show because there's no teacher yeah. ever in the rest of the series. No, their teacher appears. Okay, she teacher has twin appears. tails and she bonks her on the head one time for being sleepy or something. Oh, that's true. Yes. She has about two lines of dialogue. Lines don't think I'm not. Don't think I'm gonna miss a teacher if she shows um, up. I'm so sorry. I respect the queen. She knows. She knows what she's talking about. I don't. So yeah, there's one teacher. I don't think she even has a name, but she does have like two lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, probably Tara's pretty quirked up. If um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of the manga post anime are you aware of? There is legitimately some surprising arcs. Teru's in particular. Wow, this okay, we, we gotta read this shit. Am, we gotta fucking read this shit. I, <laughs> I, I know about nothing that happens off the anime. I'm really interested because yeah. I like the anime so much. Sorry, gamers, and I, we're very excited. It feels like the kind of adaptation that like is quite faithful to the manga. Probably has a bit of its own flavor, but I feel like I, I'm not going to get a radically different experience. Is the expectation I'm getting? God damn. Yeah, okay, well, looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, from Interfior, we got, if the cast of another show besides New Game tried to make a video game, who would make the best game, and what type of game would it be? Hmm. Are we, are we going from Honestly? the shows we've seen so far? Let's say, let's say shows we've seen so far. I think the Yushiki Club, if they figured out programming, they could have hacked together some funny crap, because they'd be on that damn computer. I think, for me, um, the... I certainly think the um, Hidamari girls could obviously put together a pretty good visual novel. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, once, they, once you add, once you add um, Nazuna and Nori. Yeah, and once you get Nori. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, it's off the, it's off the charts. Um, but I... You have a writer, you have like three illustrators, you have like some voice work. You can Nazuna can do like the main character. Nazuna would be a great Otome game main character. Mm. Holy cow. I also think, um, this is a bit of rogue shout, but let's say you give uh, Lilith to Machikado. Give her RPG Maker, huh? Huh? and in her little hyperbolic time oh chamber, my God. she's yeah, going she to turn nothing up. else to do. She's going to something pretty sick. Oh, she would make a very, very good RPG Maker, like, SNES love letter mm. type of game. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Just real quick, while we're on, while we're even a little bit on the subject, this came up in my mind during the Dojin segment game, <laughs> Dojin game segment for, like, uh, other, like, Dojin games. I want to shout out RPG Maker games that are good. Oh yeah. I was thinking about Lisa the Painful recently. Uh -huh. It's a really good game. It's a cool ass game. Um, that's a good game. Everyone already knows about Yumeniki, but Lisa uh, the Painful, uh, incredible soundtrack. Also, um, I'm gonna be basic. In an, in a, go. Hmm? No, no, go, go. No, you go. No. Oh, 
I mean, obviously, uh, okay. Ib is pretty good. You played Ib? It's, it's pretty good. I haven't played Ib. I've heard good things about Ib, though. Ib's pretty cool. Um, Lisa is a great RPG where almost every encounter is treated as a boss battle, and so there's basically, like, Ooh. 90 songs in the soundtrack, cool. and they're all fucking nasty. One of them samples the Shenmue uh, forklift guy. <laughs> it's very good. I'm going to link that one to you, actually, after we're done recording. I think you get a kick out of that. Uh, anyways, yeah, um, Lilith would bang, Lilith would do work on a Dragon Quest love letter, I think, for mm -hmm. sure, because she'd have so much spare time herself. Thank you Thank for you. your questions. Up next, we have the, oh, it's that rumbling in the distance, holy cow, it's the thunder round thunder from Me Machinery. Dun, 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 dun. Um, first, does she and Aya represent the difference between a Sigma nerd and an Alpha nerd? That's a good, uh, dichotomy you've drawn there. I like that. I think, I think that's true. I think... She is Shishan. Shishan is, she's she's because that's the thing. Like all all of the senpai have their studly moments, which is why it adds the it's the true. ultimate vibe. True. Um, and I think, I don't know. I feel I suppose we count Fujikawa as a nerd. No, she's kind of got her own thing going yeah. on. Mm. Yeah, she's no, a different kind of nerd. Fujikawa, like most um doujin musicians, is just uh, got lots of irons in the fire and is always busy doing something mm -hmm. that keeps her from being too much of a nerd. Yeah. Or at least a, a nerd, she's a nerd in the audio sense, but not in the yes, not in yes. the the subculture sense. Uh, totally. Yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely epitomized. She is really interesting comparing her to um, Rin from Eurocamp because of the hair, uh, and also the same kind of like introspective <laughs> but secretly cares about people's personality, and they also have the exact same hairstyle, which is really weird. Now you said that. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, but they look the but same. Chi Chen is 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 a cooler character. Chi Chen is cooler. Also came first, so uh, yeah. you know, learn le lesson learned. You're vamped. Um, what does Aya mean when she says she isn't interested in boyfriends? Um, folks, I'm lowering my glasses and looking into the camera, and I'm hitting you with the come on now. Oh, she's doing the reaction gift face. I'm seeing it. Oh, this is a pretty epic reaction. I'm doing gift. the reaction gift face right come now. Come on now, it's we're text. on camera. Oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, Come on I, now. I don't like. I will say if 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 I'm putting everyone on the the Kinsey scale, I'm not giving them Kinsey scale numbers. Don't worry. <laughs> um, like, oh my god, yeah, you should think something called the Kinsey scale slider. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Nailed it. Okay, next episode onwards. Um, I I, oh I my god. do feel like if we, I mean, obviously we assume those, we watch those shows assuming the characters are either gay or at least bi. I do feel Aya feels like. The vibe I got from her was more towards the middle. Like she's kind of low key with it. Like I feel Fujikawa, she and Aya are different kinds of teenage gayness. For Where sure, Fujikawa for sure. is the oh, I have a feelings that really matter, but I'm not going to tell anyone because I'm too cool. And she's like, I like girls. I like girls. And then Aya's just like, yeah, I like girls, but like also keeps it low key. They're all they're all quite low key with it. Um, and I guess we have Hachan to to bring down the mood. That's true. Yeah, who's the the least low key, the high key? <laughs> um, do you agree with Yumine that Tama is a top? Um, pardon you, she is a seme. There's seem. a difference? Question mark. She's not an uk. She's a seem. Um. Yeah, she's not a uk. She's a seem. <laughs> I. I think she's more sasayuke. Uh, thank very much to the show for including the term sasayuke and explaining what it means. It means a, a seductive, inviting bottom. Uh, is how I feel about Tama. Um, I I feel like she would appreciate being spoiled by an older girl 
which is probably why when it gets down to it, I think she's probably slightly uke leaning, but like you yeah. know, uke verse. So the thing. I also think that this reading from Yumine reveals so much about Yumine's character and how she views Tama mm. as a friend and a guiding light for her. Yes, that is kind of beautiful and sweet. That is, I do, I do think. I think there was a and a dimension, huge respect in in thinking seeing your friend go. That's a top. That's a top, baby. God, that's <sighs> that's that's my umfi right there. Woo! Let's go. Yeah, no, Yumine rocks, and this is uh, more evidence of her rocking hard. <laughs> Is it okay to ship your childhood friend if you gender swap her first? Yes. Uh, yes? Yeah, I guess. No. I, yeah. yeah. I, hmm. I have no hmm. experience with this. I also don't. Yes. We're settling on We're yes. We're going to say uh, until she's valid. She, this, is, this is part of, you know how you are at the occasional... Yumine is valid. Is she going to make it true. thing? And this is part of Yumine making it. That's true. That's true. She's going to make it. Is Teru an alien? Yes. No. No? She's partially not real. Yeah, she's she's a thought construct. She's a thought, yeah. She's she's a hallucination sooner than she's an alien. How unsurprising is it to hear that the author is also a Dojin game developer? Fascinating. Uh. I would love some receipts on that. Not like a disbelief thing. I just genuinely would love to know um, what they've worked on. Yeah. That sounds really cool. That sounds neat. I, I want to see the... the oh, I, I think I have seen some of their like actual sprite art from a game being passed around. And I think it was in the mildly etchy platformer kind of genre as well. So... Very cool. Okay. Them. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, is Eno the first ever Kirara antagonist? How is she so swaggy? Great questions. Ah, uh, she. Um, I mean, she is the first, I think, truly philosophical threat in a Kirara series. Um, yeah, I think so. Was the question slice of life or Kirara? It's Kirara. Oh well, it's we, Kirara. we've seen Harukana. Harukana has antagonists. Um, Harukana has antagonists. It's true. <laughs> philosophical threat is a really good way of describing her. Um, how is she so swaggy? Did she got it from her grandma? Yeah. She got it from debate club. She 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 figured it out. She her fucking outfit when she comes in to the flat the one time and she's got the suspenders, so the newsboy. She looks the so. The newsboy cool. hat is incredible. Oh. Holy cow! She's fucking. You'd never guess she was an heir to the biggest paper corporation in Japan. <laughs> um, what was up with Tama stripping in She's hallway? Don't remember this? Oh, there's the bit when um, Tama went after She's mother's whole, like, oh, it's fine if it's a girl. Uh, and then, uh, she, yeah, then yeah. Tama just immediately looks at She and is like, I'm fine with this She. And I think that was also a pretty good Tama She moment. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. What game will Tama be developing now that she has free reigns? Um, damn. I gotta say, honestly... Um, I think she's gonna invent Toho, but Osan's oh, Osan Toho. Awesome. I, I guess I like I, I made jokes about her making uh, Osan Yaoi, but like I think the the reason it's gonna be good is because it's not gonna be explicit. It's gonna be quiet, understated pining between old men. Yes, it's, it's the most the most tasteful and reserved possible. I I think way to depict old men. I think she might act, she might make an um an old man's murder novel. Ooh. <laughs> I know, I feel... Um, what about, like, a little, like, sort of, like, you're playing as, like, a hitman, and you have to, like, um, figure out, like, it's, like, a little, like, light puzzle kind of adventure yeah. game, you have to, like, figure out how to do the assassination? She, she, ah, uh, yeah, I feel like, 
it might be more about solving the violence. But she is a Golgo fan, so it makes sense. She's a fan of like she a bunch a of like, like manga that are about killing people. But I, I'm expecting like a drama. I know. I That's, think. I think if there's one, if there's one letdown to Tamaki's character, it's that that aspect of Osan manga is never really touched on, where it, most of it is about like hard-boiled detective crime. Yeah. Which I think is almost more charming than the Osan love, and like I guess by extension her papa. Um, oh. Papa love. That bit is like. It's kind of funny, but it gets so, like, hammered in towards it, it gets slightly weird. It is a little bit weird, but also it is still funny. It's, fu- it's funny. Like, to, it doesn't, it doesn't to... feel, like, weird in an off-putting way, just like a, this joke no. keeps on going for some reason kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, how will Tama change after she goes to Kamaket and sees the Aoi Dojins of Avengers, The Man from Uncle, and the Yakuza franchise? Yakuza franchise is going to go very hard, I must oh, say. Oh, the man... Once again, fitting in with this crime theme. I don't think... The Man from Uncle is shocking to see in this list here. Did that get, like, a reboot recently or something? Oh, two levels. A, yes it did. And it was popular. B, Man from Uncle is... Henry Cavill? Yeah. Army Hammer? Yeah. Okay, I understand. I, A, but his thing, Man from Uncle is hugely popular in Japan. And people still so draw dodges of the original wow. Man from Uncle. Because it's this, That's like, fucking crazy. Super iconic. That's so crazy. Uh, funny thing, you know... Okay, here's, here's some deep lore for you. You know Megatron from the Transformers? The guy who turns into a gun? Yep. Um, his toy was originally a Man From U.N.C.L.E. tie-in toy that they then turned into Holy when he adapted it to the West. Cow. Into Megatron. That's insane. I had That's, wow, that is incredible lore. It's a bit more complicated than that, but it's, so it's cool. the core of the matter. So yeah, uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E. is really huge in Japan. Um, wow. So... I would say I don't think Matt Funkles, they're not really Osan enough. They're like they're like Barabishonen is the thing, even in the old yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Um Avengers, I I could see her liking Tony Stark. Hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. He is kinda cool. He is kinda cool. Um I'm not maybe maybe she'll Yeah, I could see that. I I can I can imagine her seeing the the screen caps they sort of like Horus recoil and getting really excited to watch the show and then being sad that me yeah because and, like, of the Osan yeah. yeah yeah oh man yeah okay fair enough um okay yeah okay thank you me machinery thank for you. your light for your thunder round boom thunder. boom 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 lightning and the we thunder. have one last one last question oh. from a new writer hello I'd like to welcome to our inbox at Doro three on Twitter Doro three was I the only one getting some kind of gender vibe from Fujikawa, or was it just because of Aoyuki giving her a cute but kind of boyish voice? Maybe I've got brain poisoning and Hime Goto rewired my brain to see this haircut as an Otokonoko situation by default. Oh, gender in that Honestly? direction. Interesting, okay. Yes, in that direction. Uh, I could see it more in the opposite Honestly, direction. Honestly, I can kind of see it. But fair enough. I, I, I knew Ranka was going to say that. Um, I agree with the Aoyuki positioning here. I think Aoyuki, when she goes for a little bit of like, let's say, uh, let's say like um, on the Kinsey stud scale, like a four. Um, what is it? Is it six? Six is... It's zero through six, zero through right? Six, but yeah, I forget. Okay. Zero is heterosexual, right? Yeah, yeah, because the higher the number, the more gay you are. Yeah. Is how the Kinsey scale works. It's very intuitive in that way. Um, this is, we have to stop talking about the Kinsey scale in this we podcast. <laughs> we've started and stopped and we've, we're moving on. We, our Kinsey era is now over. 
Um, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. I agree with you on the haircut, but not because of Himegoto, just in general. I think it's a very Otokonoko, twin-tail, high-up kind of look. Um, also, if you're talking about someone who gets into video game uh, music production in high school, this is not me talking about myself. This is like, that's, that just happens a lot, let me be honest with you. Um, many such cases, etc. Um, many people are saying this, etc., etc. I, I, I think I think you can read definitely some kind of gender to Fujikawa, and I feel like I, I think something the OVA kind of adds to this like slight alienation from her from the world around her that I think is yeah that's true. I think also you could read into her fixation on Teru Senpai and like sort of like her trying to process it mm. is interesting as well. Definitely, any sort of free spirit is a very inspiring character for someone who's going through it internally. You know, definitely. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, cool question. Thank you for writing yeah, in. Definitely. I, we, we, well. I, I think um, this is, this is the sort of show I'm definitely interested in not seeing those kind of questions. So, Absolutely. when you write them in for fucking, I don't know, um, I, I was a show I can insult that's fine. When you write in for Kinmo, no, write it, no, please write in this for Kinmo season two. Please. We got, no, yeah, no, do, it, no, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I resent what I said. Thank you for writing in. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, we've discussed gender. Let's talk about labor. Uh, I am not fucking watching Kinmoza season two and movies. Are you, are you uh, not? That's you, this. Are you join. No, I don't know. No, I'm just. I'm just whatever. Thank you for writing into our mailbag. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone you so as much. always. Um, it's been wonderful. Keep your eyes peeled. We're back on the schedule. Yada yada. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm don't want to watch Kinmoza. Um, let's talk about Stella Nomaho. The reason for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ranka. How do we feel about Stella no Maho? <sighs> well, no. how do you feel? Are you, Sorry, how do you feel? Oh, are you are you ready for a Japanese lesson? Yeah, actually, yes. Uh, so Dojin, the the term Dojin itself. So you know, Dojin she means I guess fan magazine is how you like normally translate it. But Dojin itself is spelt with the kana for similar and person, as in essentially Dojin is a like-minded person, which is where the original term comes from. Oh, okay. And this ties in a lot with how I feel about the series. It is about the doujin themselves. I think as this discussion has proven, this show is something special, uh, at least to me. I think it could reach a lot of people out there, many more than who've probably already seen it, as as the new game point like highlights. And I'm going to go a bit out of the weeds into this one, but I feel like the concept of slice of life is kind of hard to define, and... I get facetious people asking me, who you know don't actually fucking watch Kuroos, what counts as a slice of life? And they're like, oh, is Gintama a slice of life? Like, shut the fuck up. But I mm-hmm. think Salamaho is really good in a bit like um, Slow Loop, is that you can point to it and say, this is a slice of life. And it's one that manifests as this like truly well-observed, warm, and kind treatise on the nature of creation and the closeness that sharing art and creating art can bring to people. And a lot of what I like try to praise these shows for normally, which is uh, interesting or funny visuals and surprisingly well done character arcs, kind of isn't quite here. I mean, we have it for Tama, and we see some fun shifts in the group dynamics, and we have Harchan. Uh, but what still does so well is that every moment, even the ones that feel kind of weird, feel lived and encouraging. And yeah, minor gripes, Harchan. Some of the Teru stuff works, some of it doesn't. Maybe the final episode could be a bit tighter. But what matters to me is, so, you know those, like, um, like positivity accounts on Tumblr and Twitter, 
all that kind of like twee shit like the Arknights X character loves you or love life makes you've drunk water today stuff and I dislike these I'm being a hater now because I think they uphold this kind of like oh yeah I hate them yeah, yeah. they fucking suck because they uphold this like kind of like really facile understanding of self appreciation and effort and the importance of small results but I think if you take that kind of positivity and genuine belief and turn it into a full story that actually explores this and you know, it's consistently funny and charming and has really well done character dynamics that feel real you're like oh this makes sense this is this is the message he wants to convey it feels rare to see a work that's overflowing with such genuine kindness towards its characters and world while i guess earning this kindness it never preaches too hard you have stuff like the eno and people's different opinions on how creation should work and again i think the fact that you know exists as this like rational hard to refute counterpoint is fascinating it's just the hint of tiny bite the series needs that i think puts it above its contemporaries and the last episode did make me cry twice. I think partially because I was missing going to Comiquet, but also the bit on the beach with the girl. I don't know. And it... I guess it's because, going back to the Dojin point, the show doesn't appreciate quote-unquote otaku culture, but that Dojinshi and subculture activities are a second home for people. A second home, you know, for people like you and me, ultimately. And how things like this help us find our voice otherwise that we couldn't otherwise express. And that's what's given Tamar the strength to go through the character arc we see in the series. All of us are Tamar in the end. And the spirit of Comic Cat 100, Friendship Forever, lives strongly in the show. Friendship Forever. Friendship fucking forever. So, yeah, love it. Friendship fucking forever. Comic Cat 100 more years. Hell yeah. Um, big big sight, uh, rocket ship, take off, go to the moon. Everyone, <laughs> uh, every genius on Earth lives on the moon in the rocket ship. Hell yeah. But what did you think about All it? All right, awesome. <laughs> Um, what I think about it, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a show that had a uniquely empathetic understanding of what it is like to not only be a nerd in high school, but to find other nerd friends, to be able to, to, to not only like have people to talk to, but have people to work with, mm -hmm. to work towards a common goal, to develop schedules, to develop like plans and like activities and, and, and and habits all towards something that you care passionately about it like i think that that ethos of like creating games on i don't know like like every every project i've been a part of that i've enjoyed has felt like this to me in the best way possible and i think it's remarkable to be able to um encapsulate that in a show mm. and to also i just sort of develop like a journey of someone learning what that feels like like tamaki gets the opportunity to engage with something that she has been interested in for quite some time but has never really known how to breach the subject because she didn't even have the vocabulary for it like she has always enjoyed this idea of game creation and of like you know fixation on subject and stuff like that like these things that she's loved but she hasn't known where the outlet is or what the outlet looks like and i think that finding that is very special and important yeah uh this show is cool for being able to um allow me to say any of that in good faith right that's the thing like, like it's the fact i love have, i love getting to have this conversation <laughs> yeah like this is a show we have not made up any of this it's just in the text I, I, yeah I, it sounds like hyperbole <laughs> but it is honestly how i feel a show that is only mildly hampered by me for what I deem to be a slightly mid-ending mm -hmm. with a strong OVA that yoinks it right back up. Honestly, I really did like this show. 
Um, it's maybe, I think this is the easiest sell and the most underrated thing we've talked about so far. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Like that, that sounds, feels like hyperbole to say that, but I do kind of feel that in this moment, this might be the most underrated Kirara that we've covered. So I, I you know, think it's, it's, check it out. it's under, I mean, please, the people who like it, like it, the fucking manga references, two manga references of people who are like, oh, the Teru arc makes me Dude, so I need excited. to know. I need to know. I need to understand the Teru arc. But like, I, I do think... That, that is kind of part of it. I feel like it's it for how underrated it is, it's an easy sell. If someone has ever worked in any kind of fan group, you can say, here is a show about that. And uh, we talk about this occasionally, like how hard slash easy it's recommend the show. I think this might be... It's not... It has, I guess, dirty jokes, but the way in which they're contextualized are quite interesting, I suppose. They're they're cheekily inserted, mm. but they're also like they're never like rude or crude. Yeah. They're just like they're just Real. they're just funny. They're very blunt, but they're very funny, and they're also they're always like appropriate. Honestly, they're always they always fit the mood. They always fit the characterization. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, good show. Good ass show. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds like I might have been cold at the intro, but um. No, I, it was just part of the finale, and and this show was strong. Like it's a strong show. I, I don't have much more to add to it. Ronka really, you really poured your heart out on I, that one. So I, I I can't even. I didn't even really want to follow up. Honestly, <laughs> I regret letting you go first. Um, but yeah, good ass show. Thank you all uh, for listening and check it out yourselves. We recommend. Yeah. Hereby recommended. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. whether you watch it here or there or anywhere. Oh. Oh. Yeah, my oh. turn to do the segue. Oh. Let's go! Oh. Um, Alright, so, um, uh, anyways, uh, speaking of here or there, you can catch us here, not there, but then there will be two weeks from now, so we'll be here and there, and we'll be talking about, um, maybe the second most underrated Kirara show that no one has seen. Um, it's, I, I, I think, we'll see I how think it's rated. people have seen it more than quite a lot of things we're talking about, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, really? I think okay. so. Uh, people anyways. saw the show, for better or worse. People saw this show. It's true. I saw this show when it came yeah. out. I don't even know how that happened. Um, we're talking about Achi Kochi, um, which in case you wanted to understand like the extremely funny joke I did, it means here and there in mm. Japanese. Um, so yeah, get ready for the exceedingly rare hetero romance anime in Kirara yeah. Mag that got an anime. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, yeah, uh, that'll be a hot one. That'll be Check us out in two weeks' time for a spicy, spicy episode. Intriguing episode. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves and about maybe this show. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, delightful. Thank you, Ranka, for being here. Thank you, um, Ranka, for being here and being friends forever. That's true. That's so true. Um, Comic at 100. AFTF episode 100, Friends Forever, is the theme. <laughs> Um, catch us in five years time um, yeah. we'll be here and you'll Indeed. be there Achikochi up next oh my god let's close this out <laughs> I've been Mallory I'm Ranka and uh, Mallory has Ranka was this <laughs> yeah was this yeah was this yeah, yeah. was this fun thing yeah. fun yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay well, was this fun was this fr- was this podcast friends forever it was yes. yes hell yes hell yes was this fun thing friends forever so true okay so true so true bestie uh, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> really good outro, even for us. That that fell apart dramatically. <laughs>
Thank you again for listening to our Fun Things Fun podcast. This has been episode 21, covering Stella No Maho, bracket, the magic of Stella. Um, as always, our interstitial music comes from the show's OST, official soundtrack, and are as follows. Uh, the first song you heard in our first break was track number six off of disc one. Mm, I didn't look up what these are called in English. There we go. Uh, the first one was track number six off of the first disc called Senpai Tachi No Game. And the second one you heard in the other break there is track number 13 off of this one. That's Tokimeki. Let me check those kanji. Tokimeki Kumi Awase. Um, yeah, uh, those are both good examples of the music that they use in the game in the show, which I'm always a big fan of, so I want to include those. Uh, right now, you're listening to the full version of the show's airing ED, which is called... Uh, I should have done this a little quicker. Yonaka Jikaru. Um, good song. Good little EDM tune. And then I'm going to uh, play us out with some real audio from uh, the end of this episode when Ronka's recording decided to stop working on Audacity. Uh, very funny. Uh, very very topical as well. I was having a great time. Uh, it took us about 30 minutes to figure out how to recover the file, and we did, and you're listening to it right now. So this is a very game dev sort of sh- uh, episode for us. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening as always. Join in two weeks from now um, for uh, Achikochi. That's right. Yeah, we're watching Achikochi. If you know what that is, it's um, honestly, go ahead and watch it, but this is a skippable one. You can skip this one. Not the episode, though. Listen to the episode. Rate us 1 billion stars on iTunes. Um, 100 episodes. Friends forever. AFTF forever. Goodbye. Oh, I am having one of the audacity issues. What? The one where I'm clicking on the buttons and they're not pausing the episode. They're not. They're not. They're not stopping the recording. So obviously with how magical this is, if I close the file, it might... No, it's it's still showing a monitor, it's just my input's not being affected. What do I do now? What do I do? Should I, should I, should I screen share so you can see what the fuck's going on? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay.